0: And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing, take just one moment, and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 232. A little bit bent out of shape that I have to talk about wrestling when the United States is about to launch people into space for the first time in 30 years! My name is Nick Howell.
1: And unable to ever watch Phoebe Cates in Fast Times at Ridgemont <laughs> High again without thinking of Otis's sexy man bod. I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And Ooh, by yeah. God, Nick, get your head in the game. <laughs> Come on. Space launches happen every day. We're going to talk about wrestling. Let's get on to the things, man. We have much to talk about this week. We've got AEW, we've got NXT, we've got SmackDown. Which had a major angle that kicked off this week, or so it seemed, that some very controversial things over on SmackDown. But we can't talk about that yet, Nick. Yes. Because we got to do some business, we got to do a little housekeeping, we got to tell everyone how they can engage with the show, and then we can talk about all of that.
0: Yes, guys, come over and join us on Facebook. Uh, You can search for Busted Wide Open, like our page, and send us a join request to get into the group with the rest of the phenomenal ones. Come over to Twitter and and Instagram and follow us at BWO Podcast. Make sure you're into our Discord as well. You can find it pinned across our social media profiles. But if you can't, hey, just post something in the group or send us a tweet. We'll send you a link right back. That is where we do live chats all throughout the week for all of the shows. It is the place to be in the fun times if you watch all of the shows live when they come on. And you can go back and uh Read through transcripts and chat logs of all of the pay-per-views of the past that we've done for the last couple of years. So, a lot of fun. Make sure you're in the Discord. All kinds of stuff happening in there that you don't see out in the public. Uh, you can also subscribe to us right here at YouTube.com/slash Busted Wide Open. Make sure you turn your notifications on as well because we are now doing BWO Daily. Congratulations on first week, Sir Ian Dangerous. We've got thank five and episodes. Thank you, congratulations to you. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, we've got five episodes in. Thank you guys for all of your feedback. We love that you guys are enjoying it. Uh, lots of requests of whether or not this is going to be put out on the audio. The answer for the time being is no. Uh, so if you'd like not to yet. see those, they are exclusively on YouTube. Uh, under promise over deliver. We'll see. To be determined. <laughs> Soon. Hashtag trademark. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but for right now, they're being used as a sort of vehicle to uh, grow the YouTube channel here. So we want to have more content out more often. This is one of the ways that we're trying to do it. Uh, in addition, we did release a bonus Patreon episode from April, which was Sir Ian Dangerous's magnificent breakdown and deep dive of the Firefly Funhouse match from WrestleMania mm. 36. And i got to say, I, we, we debuted it today at noon Eastern. Uh, several of you were in there watching it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I watched it again, and... I'm still processing (laughs) some of the stuff that you uncovered in that. So if you guys have not seen that yet, it is now available to everyone, not just patrons over at youtube.com slash busted wide open. All kinds of content coming up there. And I I just mentioned Patreon. So patrons, the phenomenal ones, the, the, the grease for our squeaky wheel, the fuel that keeps the engine running and all of those other cliches. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for being ma- amazing patrons and being willing to help us uh, keep this show going. You are the 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 just the fuel that keeps the engine running here. I'm gonna keep doing those until they keep just get it. so tired. Uh, you, but are the chlor- gets- you
1: are the chlorophyll that blooms our flower.
0: Oh wow, that was powerful.
1: I've got him. I've got him. That's you're the fuel in our rocket engine that sends us careening into the sky in T-minus 20 minutes. Oh. <sighs> Man. Oh, sorry, Nick, we gotta do a show.
0: You're distracting me again. If oh. you guys would like to get in on some of those exclusives, head over to Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those reward tiers. It'll also allow you to get into the patron mailbag. Questions for uh the show that we're gonna do later. We do it every week. Uh you get more bonus episodes in the entire back catalog at the ten dollar tier, Skype calls, producer segments, all kinds of good stuff over at Patreon.com slash BWO. Ian? Yes. Let's talk about some wrestling, and let's Let's get started with All Elite Wrestling. Well, as you may have seen on Double
1: or Nothing, the inner circle did not beat the elite in the stadium stampede. No. In fact, they had their collective butts handed to them. Chris Jericho got run over by a field marker. Uh, Santana got locked in an ice fridge. Ortiz literally had his bell rung to the point where he couldn't hear anything this entire show this week till they put earmuffs on him. Sammy Guevara got one-winged Angel off the second story, and Jake Hager got clotheslined over a bar in a massive bar, growl, bra- bar brawl. They all got taken out. So B- to make bubble. themselves feel better, to, to, to raise their spirits, to up their pep, they had a pep rally full of cheerleaders, Vicky Guerrero announcing them for some freaking reason, uh, and then they gave each other gifts. There were gifts exchanged. It was very sweet, you know. Like I said, uh, Ortiz got some some earmuffs. Uh, Jake Hager read poetry, Nick. Jake Hager read poetry, it and it started off being the kind of cringy thing that very moving. Yeah, uh, talking about how great the inner circle was and how horrible the elite was, and then it ended ended up sounding a lot like Taken. Nick, he <laughs> ended up being like a specific set of skills, and I know how to deploy them, and I'm going to deploy them all over the elite, and I'm going to rip their heads off, and I'm going to find them in their sleep. Whoa! Great <laughs> nice comedy shooting, stuff. Tex. <laughs> this whole this whole bit was very funny. Um, you know, the trophies being like fake, little trophies being given out, and Sammy Guevara at the end says, "Well, Chris, what do you, what do you really want?" And Chris Jericho, out of nowhere, goes, "You know what I want? Mike Tyson's head on a platter." What? And every, everyone just kind of went, "What?" What, Chris? Chris, what are you, you okay? Chris, what <laughs> the hell? Well, we got you a, a cheese plate and some bubbly. Is that okay? And Chris is like, no, I've never forgiven him for that time. on What was it, January 12, 2010 or something like that? Um, January 11, 2010. On a Monday night. Raw. He didn't say raw, but it was on a Monday night raw. It was Chris Jericho and Mike Tyson versus DX. And Mike Tyson turned on him. And, you know, had had trouble getting his shirt off. But then once he got his shirt off, he revealed a DX shirt underneath. And he decked Chris Jericho. And apparently, Chris has never forgiven him for this. Uh, and so, as a result, he said he wanted to kick Mike Tyson's ass. And so, of course, everyone was like, hey, Chris, no, let's have a cheese platter with some bubbly. Well, that cheese platter had been eaten and the bubbly was gone. And as they go, who could have possibly done this? Out of the back comes Mike Tyson with a posse of shoot fighters former F- UFC MMA gods Vitor Belfort, Henry Cejudo, uh it was a whole like a bunch of grippa dudes, Rashad Evans with his hair grown out. <laughs> they all roll out drinking the bubbly, munching on some food and they're like what the heck is this? Tyson gets out in Jericho's face. They all line up. And uh there's some there was a, a guy next to Tyson with some like black eye makeup on with like he's kind of fat in a white shirt. If you didn't know who that was, that's Mickey Gooch. He's an actor. He was in uh Jay and Silent Bob Strike back with Jericho. Um, so I don't know why he was part of Tyson's team, but there he was. He he stood out like a sore thumb, might have been drunk. Um Tyson gets in Jericho's face, and Jericho says to Tyson, I, I want an apology. You owe me an apology. Let's just say that. Tyson, I don't think, knew exactly where he was. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put it mildly. But he responded back somewhat um, non-eloquently that uh, he should have knocked Jericho out, that he, he deserved the sucker punch from all those years ago, and uh, he ripped off his shirt, got in Jericho's face. But when I say ripped off, he kind of like, uh, He, he uh, tried uh, to. Uh. He, try, he tried to rip it off. He's just got, you know, that's his weakness, his shirts, apparently. Yeah. He can do, he can, well, he can his biceps you out.
0: are so huge he can't close his arm uh, length that much. You know, Dude, uh, it's just gimmick the
1: shirt. That's what Hogan always right. used to. You gimmick the shirt, but he doesn't know that. Poor guy. So he's sitting here struggling with his shirt, trying to get it off him, just so he could flex at Jericho's face. And Jericho's like, "All right, yeah, you look great, but you did. You owe me an apology." And Tyson shoves him. Jericho shoves him back, and then the entire ring is full of people shoving, and it's a pull apart brawl. With, at the end, Tyson and Jericho screaming at each other and being held back by dozens, dozens. Anytime you want to criticize WWE for, for social distancing and how little they're doing, go look at this brawl. This is the most people we've seen in a single place on TV since this all started happening. Uh, it was a ton of people in this. Some of them some of the most dangerous men in the world, which was particularly entertaining. Right. So that was how they closed out AEW Dynamite. That was the big new angle. Jericho wants a piece of Mike Tyson. This is their big new angle, Nick. Um there's a lot to there's a lot to talk about here.
0: <laughs> is is Jericho oh, going to get a God. payday from Tony Khan and Cody for for taking a, a right hook or a right uppercut from from the legendary Mike Tyson?
1: Here's the thing. So I listened to Jericho being interviewed about this. One, he openly admitted that Mike Tyson is completely unscripted. He's like, you don't script Mike Tyson. Right. Which explains why Mike didn't really know what he was doing. Jericho said, look, I've got you know, 30, nearly 30 years in this business. I'm pretty sure I can go out there and control the situation. And if you watch this segment, you could see Jericho trying to keep up. It was a little bit like The Miz when the Ball family showed up over in WWE yeah where you're basically trying to keep this train on the tracks and it really doesn't want to stand it doesn't know how to there's be a on
0: tanker it. full of fuel barreling down the side <laughs> of a mountain with no brakes and all you want to do is keep it in line
1: <laughs> no brakes and you know Tyson's basically just reacting to what Jericho does and you know he's trying to grab the mic from him Jericho's just yeah. like shut up let me talk um and it's yeah, it's, it's amazing that they pulled it off as well as they did, but even so, it was a, a bit – it was a lot awkward.
0: I was sitting there going, sometimes. <sighs> yeah, Who's Tyson so, going to hit? Uh, oh, he's going to punch go, somebody.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> it goes so wrong, which, you know, is kind of funny. Like, I I, I think that the segment could have been – I don't want to say <laughs> – I don't want to say it could have been more elegant because that's just the wrong word for this right. kind of segment. But I feel like, you know, it could it could have been a little cleaner – but part of what made it so entertaining and so watchable was you did like you could tell Tyson, no one's controlling Tyson. No. Tyson can do whatever he wants. And we're in the crazy old coot era of Mike Tyson with the white beard, and he's just kind of out there just grinning, and you're like, he could kill anyone at any time. And he won't. Like, we've seen him do wrestling before, and he just kind of, like, stands around with a big goofy grin on his face until, yeah. until someone, you know, triggers him and then he goes and you know does whatever he knows he's supposed to do.
0: Or sits which ringside is what it, what and whatever. yawns he's 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 too good for this.
1: <laughs> I don't think he's too good for it. He's just like, I'm just here, man. He's just enjoying life. I'm
0: just cashing my so, chick, man.
1: Right. He's <laughs> always <laughs> having fun. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it, it was it was a kind of controlled chaos with him. And we've that's, all that's,
0: yawned at a pay at a at a wrestling show. All right.
1: Speak for yourself, sir. <gasps> Never
0: yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: But uh, no, it's this this was entertaining because it was such a, in some ways a car crash. But it was also like the pull apart brawl was genuine. Like that was oh damn, that's a lot of people and some people were really going for it. Um so it was it was entertaining, but I okay, so here is this is where we start to really question this. Was it the right kind of thing AEW should be doing right now. Obviously, WWE used to get a lot of criticism for like the celebrity era, you know, yeah. the the host era, where they bring in celebrities, Tyson, just try
0: Trump, to, uh, just all of those. Yeah, try and
1: try and break into the mainstream. You know, um, like is this? Are they kind of are they trying to do the same kind of thing where they're goosing AEW with celebrities, or is this just a Tyson thing and it's a one off? Um, the other question is. You well, know, I think because, Cody, Cody well, talked floppy. about this,
0: so we do have some context around it. Cody, in an interview, said they met. He was at Double or Nothing in Vegas last year. Tyson sure. was. Sure, he came backstage. He says, "Hey, man, that was really." I'm not going to try and do a Tyson impersonation because he might show up at my house and punch me. Nice. Um, the so he said he was interested in doing something. So I think bringing him back for double Double or Nothing, the anniversary, first anniversary of it, was sort of organic in that sense and it was a it was an idea where they had sure. booked it out to present the T- new TNT championship. Fantastic. Like all of that is known. That's right.
1: That's great. Tyson sitting at ringside and like scaring off Jake the Snake Roberts. Hey, cool. All right, fine. Boost your pay-per-view. Tyson getting into an actual feud with Jericho. And Jericho coming out and saying, Yeah, no, I actually really want a feud with Mike Tyson is it's surprising. It's shocking and it it does underline the fact that it might be, be better at this point to have the title not be on Jericho because he can go do stuff like this,
0: right? You but, know what I instantly thought of, uh oh, Joe Exotic. That's that guy was getting into tiger cages, right? So hear me out. That guy was getting into tiger cages on Tiger King and shooting all those videos and the promos and everything for his presidential run and her governor govern editorial run. Uh, at any given time, those tigers could have just pounced and eaten his ass alive. And I'm right. thinking of it sort of the other way around. If Tyson just decided to, he could murder like half yeah. of that ring. And I'm wondering, right. oh god, that's dangerous. Just letting something a, like that loose.
1: <laughs> They're well behaved, but they ain't that well behaved. Right. Exactly. But he- that's the thing. But Tyson, Tyson is, and that's that is what brings people's eyes to it. Is oh god, what's he gonna do next? Because one of the things that Tyson was always entertaining about was, you never knew what he was going to do next. Was he going to go on some sort of absolutely incomprehensible tirade on somebody during the weigh-in, which he did many times. And I can't, I can't repeat the things he said here right. because we're more or less a family show, with a couple of f bombs. Um, but like, or or was he going to bite someone's ear off? Like he he was the he was the X factor. You didn't know what he was going to do. So here. With Jericho, like yes, that brings some excitement. But the problem is, Nick, is this didn't even crack the top searches on Google. No one cared. Real, I mean, relatively speaking. Yeah. You know, it it still did good. It still did like it's it's doing okay in terms of like YouTube and everything. But it's not lighting the world on fire.
0: No, now, and I think mostly the wrestling community probably just went.
1: Oh God, here we go again. That's kind of nice what I'm saying. Fire. It's like, well, yeah. then, but then, but then, why do it?
0: Because you, know you get I mean? people outside, it's it's a WWE tactic. It's like you that's were what describing I'm saying earlier. Yeah, it's it's a way to. But we criticize
1: we criticize them for that. Should we be levying those same criticisms at AEW for trying this? Or because people are already saying it's one of the worst segments in in AEW history? I don't I don't think it was that bad. They might forget some of the Nightmare Collective stuff, right. but it's it's definitely not one of their finer moments. The first half was good, fun, inner circle goofballery. But the second half was a bit cringy, and it was because of Tyson and you know we've established on this show like you and I are very entertained by Tyson and love us some Tyson, but this was definitely <laughs> like like you do biting my knuckles, going, "Oh God, uh, this is so." Ugh. so and then there's the added, you know, all of the other MMA guys who were there, too. Like, what do they have to do? with? Are they just here for window dressing or more? Mike so, rolls with
0: a posse. You know, he, yeah. he, he's got his boys with him all the time. So, But and, I'm just
1: saying, you've got, you've got Henry, you've got Cejudo, you've got Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, any one of them you could throw into a match with Jake Hager and have an interesting little thing in a week where we've already seen what happens when you get two MMA guys and put them in a damn cage and you get a pretty damn good match out of it, which we'll get to. But uh, yeah, this was this was definitely a, a, a segment that had me doing a lot of thinking, like if it was ultimately good or ultimately bad. And Nick, I want to know what you came up with. But ultimately, I thought that in these early days of a e w, it doesn't hurt to try things out.
0: agree. I agree with that.
1: and they're not they're not treading any new ground here. um, and as long as they don't fall into the pitfalls that w w e does with this sort of sort of thing where they overplay it, I think it was it's off to a bad start, maybe, but I'm willing to see where they're going with this. I think Jericho versus Tyson could be very entertaining. I also think it could be a train wreck. so,
0: I fear it's going to be a train wreck. Right. Uh, I like them experimenting. I've said that here on the show multiple times, but fail fast. I think him being on Double or Nothing to present the title was enough. Be a guest presenter, much like you're at an awards show or something. Here's legendary so-and-so to introduce the people that are going to be doing the thing. Right? And then, thank you very much, you may go. The fact that he came back out and he's doing a bit with Jericho, who is supposed to be doing stuff with The Elite, which I guess we're sweeping under the rug now. But wait, Jake Hager just read poetry where he has a particular set of skills and he's going to use it on The Elite, so that's going to continue. Uh, I, I, I don't... I didn't like this. I love really? Mike Tyson. I, I go back and watch Mike Tyson hype videos and workouts and fight sequences and things, uh, super cuts of his knockouts. I, monthly. At least once a month, I'll go back. I love Tyson. I love the 80s and 90s boxing. I think mean, it was some of the best boxing we've ever seen. Um, but and mostly because of Tyson. But having him come on to a show like this in this fashion, this early, eight, nine months into AEW Dynamite, I'm just, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready for the celebrity stuff that aren't directly tied to wrestling. Arn Anderson, Jake the Snake, Tully Blanchard. Fine, Tony Shivani, Marvez, fine. Uh, Tyson, no, I, I, I didn't want this, and I, I, yeah. I was not entertained by it, and that scares Ooh. me. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I was more sitting there going, "Oh god, this isn't going over like they thought it would." Oh, so yeah,
1: I, I thought it was awkward and bad, but I was still entertained. <laughs> so because you can't I look away
0: move. from the from the fender it's bender, a car from crash. the, from the it's a car crash. crash. Yeah, exactly. And it's gonna end up being that way, and all it's gonna be, we're gonna be, we're gonna drive away, going, oh, that was something, and we're gonna, then the smoldering ruins of somebody's car is gonna be sitting on the side of the road, you know, to continue the
1: maybe, maybe, metaphorically speaking, yeah, no, and it's and it's, I I I have a feeling that Jericho will get some more entertainment out of this. I I wonder if there will be some more uh, guardrails put in place going forward try and keep things more on a straight line, or if they want more of this kind of controlled chaos. Not sure, but I guess we will find out. Nick, that wasn't the only major thing that happened over on AEW. We opened up the show with a three-on-three tag match, the private party with Joey Janela versus the Young Bucks, and, well, it started off as Damascus Matt Hardy, but backstage, after Hangman Page and Kenny Omega decided to go back to the hotel and drink whiskey and milk, respectively, we had Matt Hardy standing with the Young Bucks, and he's, being Damascus. It's clicking his teeth. And they all said, could we have another different Matt Hardy? And he comes back in with old school Matt Hardy with the black shirt and the ho oh, and the, everything. And they go, no, earlier than that. And he comes in as the oldest possible gimmick of Matt Hardy. Young, young, young spot monkey Matt, Matt Hardy from like right when they first started getting their push. Um, kept changing his gimmick. The camera would pan away and then come back and a new Matt Hardy would come in. Uh, which was very cute. Matt Hardy's now apparently able to switch between his gimmicks on command, which is a lot of possibilities there. Yeah. So they go out and have a match, three on three. Ultimately, breaks down at the end. Um, couldn't tell Nick. I, I actually initially um, I thought that uh, Mark Quinn was selling an injury, but he may have actually gotten injured. Because at the end, there was some miscommunication about who was the legal man in the ring. And it seemed like a a bit of a sloppy finish. And then, But the thing is, is then Matt Hardy helped Mark Quinn to the back, which left the Bucks alone in the ring uh, after having won the match. And then because in the middle of the match, there was a spot where they'd gone over the barricades and run into Butcher and Blade out in the crowd. Butcher and Blade then went into the ring, started beating up the Young Bucks. Young Bucks fight back, and we hear a truck! pull up to the side of Daly's place, and out of the truck pops the Revival! Or, sorry, as they're known now, uh, the FTR. Yeah. Or just FTR. Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood, which I'm, I'm going to have such a hard time remembering those names, man. So used right. to calling them Dash and Dawson. Oh, But they come out to the ring looking like badasses dressed in dark denim.
0: It's just Cash and Dax,
1: right? Cash and Dax. Da- well, yeah, but they're, they actually have full names in AEW. Cash right. Wheeler and Dax,
0: Harwood. Uh, okay.
1: Um, and Butcher and Blade back off. They're like, oh, yeah, we know you guys are here to kick these boys' ass. And, of course, the, the commentary are putting them over. We've heard a war of words between these two factions for years. That's right. The Revival FTR is finally, finally going to have a few with the Bucks. But then they turn on Butcher and Blade. Cash and Dax turn on Butcher and Blade, kick them out of the ring, and then get back in the uh, young Bucks' face. And instead of getting a handshake, just kind of stare him down and then turn and walk away. Interesting. No beatdown, no immediate heel turn. Their motives remain unclear.
0: Feels like the Shield debut at Survivor Series. Just coming in. What? Coming in, beating something down, and then walking away. You know, not really having a motivation there.
1: The Shield was, I think, pretty definitively a heel faction. I don't know if they'd really said which side... Now, they've said that next week the, the Revival is going to sit down or FCR is going to sit down and talk about why they're there. So we'll get some motivations next week. But this definitely left it in a bit of an open area. They're not really heels. They did beat up a heel team. But they also, and they also they didn't attack the young boys. But they also didn't shake their hands. They weren't too friendly. They didn't look too friendly. They looked very, like, enforcerish. Yeah. If you will.
0: L- Listen, I ain't mad at at the at the revival rolling in in leather jackets in a muscle truck and just coming in and stomping ass. Like that's and, and just being not even identifying which side of the coin they're going to land on. I love that. Point of
1: order, denim jackets, which I was wondering if that was a call back to Scott Hall in WCW where he showed up in a denim denim jacket. Just throwing that out there, but yeah. Um it does seem like they are poised to take off like a rocket into space, Nick. Now that they've landed in AEW, and by the way, from what I understand, your rocket has just taken off.
0: Yes, I've I break. I want to break in here real quick and just say, guys, <laughs> uh, we officially have launched humans into space for the first time in thirty years uh, from American soil. So it's this is really exciting. Um, they are just going to be doing a an, an entry uh, or an, an orbit and coming back in, but this is. This is pretty awesome. Sans I'm still, Space shuttle.
1: So. I remember. I remember the Challenger. So I'm still scarred by that. So I'm just yep. all those always those always make me nervous as hell. Anyway, back to wrestling. Uh, yeah, yeah Re- revival. FDR in AEW, um, and kind of an un- ambiguous entrance. And at first, it left me a little cold. I'm not going to lie, Nick. I was kind of like, "That's it." But then the more I thought about it, the ambiguity was what played on my mind. And I said, "Okay, they left themselves a lot of places." To go. So, how do you rank this as far as like crossover debuts? Like, you know, goes from one company to another company, shows up, debuts, somewhat, somewhat surprisingly. Even though they were teasing it on being the elite for a while, like, how do you, where do you put this? Was it epic? Was it underwhelming?
0: Neither. It was right Hmm. there in the sweet spot of okay. Let's see what they do next. Okay. It was. I wasn't like, oh my god. I was oh my god as soon as I saw him pulling in. And commentary reacted nicely as well. Um, but at the same time, I, th- I thought they were going to come in to back up Butcher and Blade, just like everybody else, and they end up turning, walking up to the Young Bucks, turning around, and attacking the other two. So I I don't know what to expect, and I'm intrigued. And that's... I'm left wanting more. I'm left wanting more story. You didn't give me the entire pie uh, on in the ots- onset, and there we go. I am sitting here just what's next and that's exactly what i want to be especially at the end of a show yeah. on a weekly show right that's but, where you want to what did we love about the air we're out of time folks in the rafters. we gotta go and it's just like <laughs> god, what's gonna happen? we gotta wait a whole right. week right so that's at the, the beginning
1: the, of the beginning of the show and that's where they left us wondering
0: for the rest of the I show i think they should have wonder. closed the show with that And well, then you got gone to black with them showing you, up
1: you close your show with a with a with a you know, a rumble like what they had. You, there's That's nothing fair. you can follow that. That, yeah. that can't, can't follow that.
0: A couple of quick uh, super chats. I want to call out real quick. Yes. Esme with the five dollars super chat says to Thank the you, space. Yeah, to the space. And uh Kyle with two bucks says Dead Portal Two Beam Space. 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 Yeah.
1: I don't know why, right. but I, I looked over and read that as Dead Space Two meme, and I was like, Yeah, Dead Space Two. Yeah. Zombies. Although Portal In Portal space. Two also also awesome.
0: Thank awesome. you guys very much for those. I
1: appreciate it. Thank you, thank you very much, um, Nick. Let's head over and talk about the fact that Cody is your first ever TNT champion, and he came out to talk about that. Uh, he had I've come very... around
0: on this, by the way.
1: Oh really? Yeah, because you were not you were not happy about it. I at thought first. I thought
0: this was a mistake, and then I. I came around on it thinking, okay, this belt is going to be around for a long time. Mm. Uh, Let's get a Rhodes name on it. Let's let's stamp, sort of, you know, let's let's legitimize it with a Rhodes name. And then that'll give whoever takes it off of Cody, be it Lance or someone else, that much more Mm -hmm. oomph behind it. Because it did go through the entire bracket of all of those superstars. Uh, it went through Lance Archer and Jake Roberts and landed on Cody. So whoever, much like we say, it's sort of the rub, right? Whoever takes it off of Cody eventually yeah. is going to get that rub.
1: And I think you, I think you hit on something there as far as the road's name. This is definitely, you know, TNT's got their name on it, and I'm, I would assume that they were like, well, if we're going to do a championship, we want it to have some prestige coming out the gate. Yeah. And they're building Lance Archer to be a big star, and he, it looks like he will be from the all the rub they're giving him, but. Cody's name outshines Lance Archer by a large margin. If this is going to go down a history as the first ever TNT champion, is a Rhodes. I think TNT as a mark from a marketing standpoint likes that a lot more. Now, from Cody's perspective, he actually had a, a promo on the show where he said that no one's going to outwork me. And one of the reasons for that is, you know, I've I've had to work my ass off to get where I've been, and I've learned the value of hard work. I did not get the genetics. My older brother got; he got a lot of the dusty. I got, you know, whatever was left over. Um, You know, I've grown up in front of you guys. I worked through the system, got beaten down over and over again, and then went out on my own and basically had to bust my ass. Yeah. And when they and when they said they were going to do AEW, Tony Khan called people to the, the top people he wanted in the company. I was not one of the top people he called. I was the fourth person he called. I wasn't the first. wasn't the second. So yeah, I was the fourth. Uh, so th- apparently the way he's putting it is that stings with him and that's uh, sticks with him. And that's why he wants to cement himself as being a top guy, essentially, or a guy that you can bank on. And since no one's going to outwork him, he's going to, you know, show that off by being a fighting champion and defending that title every week. So essentially like a John Cena open challenge with a different framing. Uh, but he says it's going to start off this week. We're going to have a 13-man battle royale to determine the first contender for that belt, and then we're going to cycle through. Who knows how we're going to determine it every week, but we're going to cycle through all these people who are going to get a shot at that belt. So as you said, Nick, this creates opportunities for a lot of people to get shine. Um, it makes the belt look good, and whoever finally beats him for it is going to look really good as a result. Right. So, okay, and we're also going to have some set TV. Every week we know we're having a championship match. Smart. Uh, and meanwhile, you can build bigger feuds for him to handle down the road. Okay. Um, that that sets up a better scenario than if Lance Archer won it and was a monster that someone had to beat and may not. He, he was just going to break people every week. Now you can have somewhat competitive matches every week. Okay, cool. So we have this 13-man battle royale for the number one contendership for the TNT Championship. And we had uh, in the match, we had MJF, we had Wardlow, and they cut a promo before the match where MJF said, "Yeah, we're gonna, you know, I've got Wardlow in my corner. Uh, we're gonna toss everyone out of the ring. At the end, Wardlow's gonna do the job for me." And Wardlow was like, "What?" And he goes, "Shut up! Don't worry about it. I'm just kidding, buddy." And they go out to the ring. Perhaps cracks in paradise, Nick. We'll get back to that. Uh, Luther was there. Peter Avalon, Brandon Cutler, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, Sunny Kiss, Colt Cabana, Billy Gunn, who. Back in the day in WWE, kind of fit right in with everybody. He's he's taller than Luchasaurus. Yeah. He's massive. We're all all talking about how big (laughs) Luchasaurus is, and Billy Gunn's got an inch or two on him. Like, that's how big WWE used to be, is that Billy Gunn used to just fit in over there.
0: He was average.
1: Yeah. And now (laughs) X-Pac. X-Pac, the little guy, is bigger than most everybody. It's insanity. Uh, And then we also had Christopher Daniels and Orange Cassidy in the match. Well, Orange Cassidy was kind of in the match, Nick. Because earlier in the show, he walked in the background during a Jericho promo, an inner circle promo. They weren't a fan of that. So uh, Sant- uh, Santana and Ortiz hit him with the mad ball on his way to the ring, took him out for the first two thirds of the match. He didn't come in until the last little bit. Um, but overall, you know, kind of over the top rope battle royale, you would expect. Uh, Luchasaurus eliminated Luther via chokeslam. Sonny Kiss got tossed out by Colt Cabana, and then Billy Gunn to- tossed out Colt Cabana. Um, Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon eliminate each other during the commercial break Um, Marco Stunt ended up taking out Christopher Daniels which was interesting but then Wardlow picked up poor Marco Stunt like a piece of garbage and just hucked him onto Chris Daniels on the outside Um, MJF and uh, MJF uh, he dumped Billy Gunn with some little trickeration Um, Wardlow dumped Luchasaurus with some trickeration while Billy Gunn and Soros were having a big-man confrontation. And then we got to the interesting part, because at the end, Jungle Boy managed to toss out MJF while MJF was trying to beat up Orange Cassidy. And then Wardlow got tossed out, too. So now we're down at the very end to Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy, who had a really fast interaction. Orange Cassidy woke up and started actually working. But in the end... Jungle Boy had an absolutely fantastic spot where he hurricanranaed him over the top rope and managed to hold on. And Jungle Boy is your number one contender. Love it. Is this the sort of thing like this kind of competition for this spot every week that you think is going to make more good AEW TV?
0: Uh, It'll get a little tired if there, you'll get a little burnout on it if you're doing it every week, but
1: I don't think it's going to be a battle royale every week. I don't mean that. I mean in terms of Life versus Is jungle, it being so jungle defended boy.
0: every week on Dynamite? Yeah, I can get behind That's, that. I love that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Does it turn into getting tossed the tossed around, and does it make it less relevant if it's not if it's so contested all the time?
1: So I think it gives them a lot of opportunities to start other programs. You've got MJF and Wardlow who are now have an interesting dynamic going on. You're teasing stuff between Billy Gunn and Luchasaurus. Um, you know, stuff for Dark, like like uh, Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon. Uh, Sonny Kiss and Colt Cabana. Like, you're setting up a lot of stuff. See, they set up a lot of stuff. And they were able to establish what's coming for their TNT championship scene. And Jungle Boy gets a big win. So, there was a lot, I think, they accomplished with this. And it was yeah. an entertaining match.
0: It was a lot of fun. I mean, MJF chopping at Billy Gunn. Loved it. you know. Just little things. There was all kinds of little nuance all throughout the match. I cared more about those and the beginnings of stories and feuds. Usually when you have even the Royal Rumble, any kind of battle royal, you're going to have some sort of story uh, develop uh, as a part of it. So, I mean, we could have all kinds of stuff come out of these kinds of battle royales. Uh, I'm I'm fine with it. Uh, But I don't want it every week. I don't want it every month. I want it to be special when it happens. I want the contention for the TNT Championship to not be trivialized like the 24-7 Championship because if you defend it constantly like that, that's what's going to happen and people are going to sour on it and just become numb to it. So I want it to feel as special as the inaugural tournament did. hmm Right? Yes. Exactly, Dog Ziggler. That's so exactly does Dog what Ziggler. I'm trying to say. He's so very, he,
1: very fiercely he's, in agreement with you.
0: I, you know... I guess at the end of the day, what I want to happen here is to see Cody carry this thing. I want to see him defend it successfully multiple times, and I want to see him get tested. I want to see him get put to the test over and over and over again until finally somebody gets one over on him and he loses it. That kind of rub, after coming all the way through the tournament, through Lance Archer and Jake Roberts, and through Cody and all of the contenders, it's going to make that belt so prestigious. And I, 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 that's what I'm hoping for. So if it's going to be open challenge every week, temper that. <coughs> temper yes. that.
1: Exactly. Um, another belt that's going to be defended more and more now, I think, is Hikaru Shida's <coughs> new women's championship belt. Uh, she actually defended that against Christy James. James, James, Christy James, who uh, has a big old Brazilian gimmick going on, including dancing. And she even tried to get Hikaru Shida to dance, but of course before Hikaru could start dancing, she took her out the legs and then that was that we were back into the match. I don't know, yeah. was this, this match seemed a little bit, mm, it got serious in the second half, but it, it seemed a little bit, after, after Shida dug down so deep to beat Nyla Rose, this seemed a little bit fluffy to me. Yeah. Did it seem you know what I mean? It it didn't seem like it was a championship match. It seemed like just another woman's match.
0: It felt and like was, they were trying to give her some kind of squash match to either debut Christy Jane's or give her a squash match after the horrific match but, that she had at uh at Double or Nothing.
1: But Janes had there was it wasn't a squash match. That's the thing. It was actually fairly competitive. Like she'd ended up beating Janes and showing she had more grit, but it was it wasn't by any means a squash. Like, Jane's got in a lot of spot and showed off a lot of her stuff. So, I don't know. I, I This left me a little cold, Nick. I'm not going to lie. It didn't. It wasn't a good look for your champ. And Jane's came across as being a little silly. It's like, great. It's had some good moves. But I don't think that it portrayed from her what they they might have wanted it to, if that makes sense.
0: It, it does, and to be honest, I you know, there's a lot of people that are really high on Sheeta. I'm not there yet. That's and funny. I it, thought you were. It's, it's I thought you were big the, on
1: her after a match. Well,
0: yes and no. Uh, we both picked Nyla Rose to retain, and I I still think I still think that would have been the right move. Um, there are various reasons we could speculate on. You know. It Was it time? Yes. Sheeta's been a staple part of the women's division from the beginning. Yes. She it was due. I would have much rather seen re, uh, her go up against Riho in some way um, rather than Anila Rose. But what's next for Sheeta now? Britt Baker's hurt. Chris Statlander's also a face we got to build some more women. So now we got to kind of, we're, yeah. we're back to that, where we were in February, where it's like, okay, I don't really know what's yeah. next.
1: It's much better, but it's still not that yeah. deep. And unfortunately, the loss of Britt Baker is devastating, which we really, it was underlined in the fact, in, in the segment where Britt Baker came out in a wheelchair. And instead of, and instead of saying, roll R-O-E-E-R-O-L-E model, it said R-O-L-L model. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, but she, Nick, uh, I don't know if I can I can express enough how much I loved this segment and how much how hard Brit took this one over the fence. Yeah, I love it. Um, she came out and had her little, you know, her 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 board, her paper presentation board, and Tony Shivani there to be her whipping boy and her makeup stylist assistant lady whose name I can never remember because she keeps saying it wrong. Um. They were all there. She had a board with the the red, <laughs> the red strings spread between pictures, and she was convinced that she was the victim of a conspiracy. Yes. That this move where they were Statlander and Sheeta planted Nyla on her leg could have been done safely, and it, could, it was up to Nyla to move herself safely in midair. And it was a conspiracy between the three ladies to hurt her and break her poor little leg but that the real mastermind behind it was ref Aubrey Edwards. Yeah. Because Aubrey Edwards was there every time one of these things happened to her, whether it was a broken nose or leg or anything else. It was all Edwards' fault. I Perfect. can't explain to you, Nick, how like it was the little details that she put into it, whether it was the, a look or a movement or a, just a, a turn of voice. Every part of this. She absolutely destroyed,
0: even on this. bossing Reba around. You know, just Reba. All of thank that. you. Yeah.
1: Um, it was. It was all just spectacular. She has come so far in such a short period of time. This was just a one heel work, and it just it underlines how much of a bummer it's going to be that she's going to be out until, as she said, all out. I'll be back at all out. Um, that's a ways away.
0: I'm wondering how much we're getting worked because we saw pictures of her uh, at yeah. Memorial Day last Monday yeah, after yeah. double or nothing with no brace on but now apparently she has to, she's bound to a wheelchair with a knee sure. brace on and I'm going hmm mm-hmm.
1: yeah and I I truly hope you're right and that they're overplaying her injury and that would be wonderful also I hope that this wasn't her way of like dipping out be like hey okay, I'll see it all out I hope this was her way of setting something up for her to do between now and All Out. Because there's a lot of TV you can do right now that doesn't involve actually wrestling in a ring. Especially if you have someone like Britt Baker who's got some really creative stuff going on here in terms of her heel persona. And the things that she can do, uh, whether just video packages or stuff like this where she comes out and, and talks about stuff. There's a lot you can still do with her. And it's great stuff. And the women's division, as we just said, really, really, really needs it. Yeah. So, props to her. Uh, one last thing on AEW: we did have a tag match, Super bat Death Squad, uh, which is Kip Sabian and um, excuse me, I'm sorry, something just blew up over here. Uh, you had uh, SCU versus Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, which seemed to come out of nowhere, but. They did establish, they've been establishing the Kip sabian Jimmy Havoc connection for a while. And what was weird about this, though, Nick, is that they had a match against SCU, represented by Scorpio and Kazarian. You know, fought dirty, but still beat them. Yeah. Beat SCU. And then now they get a tag title shot next week. Best friends were winning for months. And they just. At the pay-per-view, won a tag team title match at Fighter Fest. Whereas Super Bad Death Squad, they create the team less than a month ago, a couple weeks ago, win a couple of matches, and they get a title shot next week. For a company that's priding itself on being sports-centric and having a logical progression, explain William Regal this to me. How did that work? How does th- how does how does that work at all?
0: It, it doesn't work, um, other than you know fan reaction. Are people more into Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford? Throw some Jimmy Havoc into there, and all of a sudden you've got a little bit of madness and craziness. What? But I I, what, I can't. What William fan Riegel, reaction. There's no fans. Social online kind of stuff, right? Hype around and excitement, views and hits, measurement, data analysis, things like that. Um, I'm I'm wondering if there's just more. But but at the same time, I'm sitting here looking at the best friends going, they got Orange Cassidy. He's the hottest thing maybe in AEW. So I I can't William Regal this for you, sir. I I have no explanation. I I, I agree with you fully that, and I've been saying for a few weeks now, leading up to Double or Nothing, the best friends have sneakily found themselves into the number one contender spot. And then we get thrown this curveball, and I, I was watching the show like everybody else going, um... Like if I'm the best friend. Chucky friends, T's he's tweeting out like, hey, WTF guys, what? Make a story out of it. And and they
1: can because there has been a storyline between Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford, and Jimmy Havoc, and the best friends. That's an existing storyline that they're that they've been working on. So okay. But that needed to be they needed to have that in here. They needed to have that touched on at some point, maybe after the match. Where the best friends come out and they're like, What what do you mean they get a title shot? Something like that. Like, not just like in little bit little tweets online. You gotta touch on that somewhere because otherwise it does make it seem like an oversight and a head scratcher. Yeah. And like someone's not paying attention. So Yeah. I agree. But overall, overall, a very entertaining episode of AEW. But Nick, that was not the only entertaining wrestling show on TV this week. Oh no. Because we have to head over. And talk about NXT.
0: If you'll humor me for a moment. (laughs) All right. I've been down on NXT for a couple of months now. You have been. This might be one of the first times I can find no fault in an episode of NXT in a long, long time. This was five-star fantastic loved every second of this episode of NXT and I and you guys know that, that hang out in the discord with us I always watch NXT or sorry I always watch AEW live and NXT later or Thursday I was mad at myself mm-hmm. <laughs> that I didn't watch this live because I immediately saw Twitter and the general wrestling social media erupt uh, after slowed. this airing of NXT because holy smokes
1: well, let's, let's start with the wow. end. Let's start with the finish because it is the big news about NXT, and that is Fight Pit. Mm. The Fight Pit. Um, One of the more intimidating structures I've ever seen in WWE, and yet so simple, and it just looked like an old-school, ugly, ugly, I think, was the best thing about it. It just looked ugly. It was um, about ugly, as close
0: to a shoot fight as you can get without it being a real shoot like, fight.
1: Pit, yeah, like literally a fight pit. Like they had doors on the sides of the cage itself, but they didn't use that. You had to climb up to a scaffold, like a a a ramp that was ran along the top of the cage where the refs were, and then if you're the fighter, you jump down into the ring where the main ref was. The main ref for this fight was Kurt freaking Angle, and you had the match between Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle who basically just got in there and beat the shit out of each other. Now, it was a worked fight. This was very much in the style of like Josh Burnett's blood Bloodsport where right. it's a worked shoot. Um, they did a lot of shoot moves in each other and you could tell there was a lot that was just... They were just going to each other and not just not clenching down on some of their moves quite as much but it was pretty much them fighting for a lot of it and there was a bit of choreography but you could it w- you couldn't always tell where the fight ended and the choreography began. Yeah. Um, Obviously, there's a couple of big spots that were choreographed, like Matt Riddle doing a jumping kick off of the cage, which caught Thatcher in the mouth. Thatcher laid on the ground until blood spurted from his mouth, and he picked up his teeth off the ground, went to the side of the cage, and had a doctor examine him while handing his teeth to to the uh, medical team on the side with blood pouring from his mouth. It looked good, but it was gimmicked. Oh, sure. It was gimmicked. It was pretty obviously gimmicked, and that and the fact that, like, you know, you could tell he wasn't missing any teeth other than his normal, you know, snaggle-tooth look. Um, And the blood was fairly obviously fake blood. But, man, if you weren't watching closely, it looked great. Yeah. If you weren't really staring at it, that was a, a fierce way to start this off. And then they just proceeded to kick each other's ass for another 10 minutes, including getting up on the scaffolding and then uh, getting back down, Matt Riddle gets back down using a, a spinning broton where he just spins spin flips off of it. Ay, ay, yay. These two guys beat the crap out of each other, but ultimately Timothy Thatcher chokes out Matt Riddle, which I think we all could have expected considering that Matt Riddle, it had been reported, was being called up to SmackDown. So great way to put over Timothy Thatcher as being a terrifying dude and the MMA guy in nxt on his way out so very appropriate strong match i'm not gonna lie nick um (laughs) i don't know i don't know how many fights you've been in your life nick i don't know how many like wrestling matches like like real wrestling matches like tussling with your buddies or whatever
0: no real fights too okay where i've thrown punches too you ever actually like gotten down and
1: wrestled anybody like actually like tussled around with them like, yeah. really, like, your strength against their it, strength. It
0: always ends in, you know, you play fight with your buddies, you play wrestle with your sure. buddies, and somebody takes an errant elbow or a knee to the face by accident, and then it stops, and everybody freaks out because somebody breaks a bone or knocks a tooth You'll out. you
1: put your eye out. Right, right,
0: something. But my point is, it's freaking
1: exhausting. Yeah. You get blown out so quickly. And I don't care if you're trained or not. You get, you get tired real quick. Watching these guys, they were going full, Hilt on each other for a long time for a large percentage of this match these guys are absolute animals yeah like i don't know if i can underline enough the kind of physical conditioning they have to have you can tell by how jacked both these guys are the physical conditioning they have to have to be able to go at this pace in this kind of match there's a reason when you watch real mma there's a reason that when they're on the ground it slows down from time to time, and the ref has to tell them, hey, start doing some work, right? It's because you get freaking tired of holding someone in a position, and you can't always be exerting that pressure. Otherwise, you get tired, and then they have an advantage over you. This is a great example of where these guys, the conditioning that they have allowed them to put on a match like this where they simulated a fight being this level of intensity, Obviously, we all watch MMA. That's not the kind of level of intensity it normally is, it, because it's unsustainable if you're genuinely fighting somebody. But for them to be able to do that, Nick is—that was the thing in this match that I blew my mind. Was just how hard these do, dudes went for yeah, how I, long.
0: I looked. I think it was a 15-minute match, um, end to end, uh, bell to and, bell. And just <laughs> very few smokes. rest holds. Yeah, like, no, they were, they, they, and they it was 100 miles an hour from start to finish.
1: The holds were very rarely rest holds in this. They were holds that they were trying to maneuver out of and around. It was, yeah, it was brutal. It was, it was. But here's the funny thing I'm going to say, Nick. I feel like they left a lot of cards on the table. Mm -hmm. I feel like there was a lot more that could be done with the style of match. A lot more spots, a lot more interesting reversals and things to be done with the environment where this, and it it was, again, on NXT TV. It was not a pay-per-view match. Yeah. I feel like they left a lot of spots open for people who wanted to do this match later. They didn't give us everything. And on one hand, I'm disappointed because I wanted to see them go out and have an absolutely epic, world-ending, like, for-all-time match. But on the other hand, I'm like, okay, no, wet our appetite so the next time we hear Fight Pit, we go, oh, oh, yeah, give me more. I want more out of that.
0: Yeah, I want Did Fight think- Pit to become a recurring thing, like a final. It's the Kumite, right? It's the le- only you know. It's Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leaves, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> and it's it's. I want it to be that's taken that seriously. Uh, so don't do it too often, but make it the thing that you end up landing in uh, ultimately. Uh, when you can't settle a fight in any other way, this is the way to do it. Uh, right. Quick shout out to Kyle with 199 in the super chat says, "Which is better, Lions Den or Fight Pit?"
1: Lion's Den between Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman, I'm assuming
0: he's means Yeah, that, that um, match is legendary for me. It's those are two of my favorites. Yeah.
1: And there's a reason it's legendary. Um yeah. that being said, I'm gonna have to say Fight Pit because Ooh, I don't know. Um I'm gonna have to rewatch Lion's Den. It's a it's a good point, Kyle. I wanna rewatch it before I actually give my my final say on that because I have a memory of it and I don't want my recency bias of, of how much I like the Fight Pit match yep. to 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 make me misjudge. Let me go back and watch the lion's den match before I give you a final say on that. But right now in terms of work rate um, intensity and also the, just the look of it, I'm going to, I'm going to say tentatively fight pit, but that's a, that's a damn good question.
0: I remember the lion's den match happened. That's about the extent of it. I don't remember any, many of the details. (laughs) Um, I want to go back and watch it too. Good question. Thank you very much uh, for the super chat, Kyle. That's a, that's a really really good point.
1: So before we get out of this, uh, Matt Riddle's done with NXT. He's going up to the main roster. We'll talk about what they did to welcome him over on SmackDown. But uh, let's look at and his NXT run. How do you th- like? How do you think his NXT run was? And do you think there's room for him on the main roster? Like do you th- do you think that the trajectory will continue? Because he never really reached the top in NXT. He was tag champ. That was the only belt he held. He had a few kind of. pay per view matches. But was the fact that he was never really a bigger deal in NXT, is that telling for how he's going to be perceived on the main roster?
0: I look at I look at debuts like Karrion Cross, I look at returns like Finn Balor, uh, I look at returns like Tommaso Champa, and I think, boom, wow. I think of Matt Riddle and I go, hey, he had a couple matches with Cashisono. And they, they were good matches. But it was mostly kind of eh. his
1: his match with Velveteen Dream was fantastic. His match yeah. with Roderick Strong was exemplary. He's had a, some very very good matches.
0: But they were uh, it's, it's mostly just
1: he didn't set the world on fire, right? And I think that's really what I'm looking at and going because he came in and we were super excited. We're like, this guy's got all the potential in the world. You know, there's a lot to like about him. He's talented as hell.
0: He's one of the rare guys. I'll say what I want to say about him in main roster until we talk about SmackDown later.
1: SmackDown. Okay. Let's save it for them then. Let's let's move on right now. We'll talk about Matt Riddle when we get to SmackDown uh, because this was apparently his last match in NXT, but it was also the last match in the A block of the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament because we had a three-way tie last week. Uh, Drake Maverick snuck out a win over Kushida, so this week we had Drake versus Kushida versus Jake Atlas. Uh, in a triple threat, and the winner goes on to face El Hijo de Fantasma. And it pretty much went down exactly as I would have expected it to go, where everyone gets their spots, and Drake's still working, quote, injured with his bum elbow because Kushida almost tore his arm off last week. And most of the selling was done by Drake, and most of the work was done by Drake, Jake Atlas, and Kushida. Uh, Until at the end, Kushida tried to lock in his armbar on Jake, and right as Jake loses the grip, Drake like sneaks over, lays an arm across Jake's chest because he's flat on his back. As Kushida's cranking on his arm, Drake gets the one, two, three. But between the two and three, Jake Atlas starts tapping. So the match goes to Drake Maverick, but it massively protects Kushida. Yeah. And Jake, as the new guy, kind of takes the fall on this one. But he still had a lot of spots to look fantastic. So I'm not too worried about Jake. He's just getting started. He'll be fine. They they obviously have some some faith in the guy. After the match, Drake's in the back. Kushida approaches him and seems a bit disgruntled at first. um, But instead of having a controversy here, Drake says, Kushida, I have all the respect in the world for you. It went the way that it went. I promise I'll give you the first shot at the title when I win it. And Kushida goes, okay, just go win. Nice. Beautiful little sportsmanship moment. Mwah. All right. Settle you know, settle so, that. Somebody
0: just give Drake Maverick a microphone all the time, please.
1: Yeah, the dude just, is doing the best work they've allowed him to do since he got there.
0: And a contract, Absolutely. if you don't mind.
1: Well, <laughs> we'll find out about that next week when we have the finals. Um, or are they holding it? I think they're holding it till in your house. It's gonna house. be in your house. June seventh. Yeah. Yep. Next yeah. uh
0: next, next week weekend. they'll have the
1: setup for it. Next week uh is two it next weekend? Is it oh, next god. weekend? Oh god. I think it's next weekend. It's next weekend, Nick. It oh, is my next god. weekend. Oh yeah. my god. So we have one more NXT before then. So that makes sense. They'll have the setup for it on that NXT. Okay. Um and then EHO will Phantasma will turn out to be the leader of the lucha ninjas or whatever they're the parking lot ninjas. Um calling it now. But As you said, so Nick, up until now, you had Kushida going all the way on this. Now that you've seen how this played out, which was the way that uh, I told you it was going to, what do you think about how they're handling Drake Maverick? And do you think they have seen enough from him now that even if he doesn't win this tournament, they'll bring him back?
0: Well, Esme with the super chat just asked the same thing. Thank you very much, Esme. Drake rehired at some point. Perfect. Um, Let's answer it. I don't know. I'm. It's a coin flip for me. It's 50-50. And, I, and I've been... You guys have heard me, and I think uh, Adam Cleary over at What's Culture shares the same opinion. I'm, I'm scared that this is going to turn into... I like getting worked, right? I want to be clear about that. Work me to death. It's part of the fun of wrestling. But, I'm going to temper that with a big old but at the expense of other things that are going on in the world right now and the fact that in the midst of it, you are doing it uh, uh, overshadowed by the release, the massive releases that happened a couple of weeks ago, that's the thing I can't get my head around. Like, if you're going in that heartfelt promo that went up on social media and went viral uh, from Drake Maverick with him just sincerely sobbing With tears, his dreams are over. His life is ruined. He never got to consummate his marriage. He's leaving WWE. You know all of that stuff, and we all felt that. We all that was genuine, right? Except for
1: the not consummating his
0: marriage. I I know. That's 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 my way of spinning it into some fun. Um, But if this ends up being no, at the end of the day, Drake is going to win, and he's going to be Regal's going to walk out with a contract for him to sign. Okay. But if he wins and then somehow still has to leave.
1: What about this though, Nick? There's, that's there's what's another really going to set me off, but there's another option there. Don't you see is if he still has to leave and that's part of the angle and backstage, they're like, don't, don't worry. We're just furloughing you. And when you come back, when he comes back after that, it'll be even more of kind of a return story. Like if, if, Part of this, and by the way, I did confirm, uh, Kyle in the chat said, no, it is on NXT. And it is. I confirmed. It is on NXT, not on the pay-per-view, not on June 7th, but on next week's NXT is when the finals are going to be. Why are they
0: giving this shit away on TV? You give away a fight pit match. To make
1: you you,
0: (laughs) watch. And you're giving away the cruiserweight championship after this whole tournament? Why not do it at the pay-per-view? They're getting beat
1: by AEW every week. And as you said, Nick, NXT has not been what it once was recently. It makes sense to me while they're trying to just stack their shows.
0: I get it. Just Um wow, okay.
1: <laughs> so I mean Kyle actually, okay, Kyle, thank you very much. 199 in the super chat. Kyle says Drake was the highest rated segment of NXT. That's true. Not the opening segment, not the final segment. Drake Maverick and the Cruiserweight Finals were the that was the highest rated part of the show, which is saying something. So They've, they know I've, they've got I've something. I felt
0: it in his backstage promo after the match.
1: So here is his. Here's the other option: is that Drake loses through, hopefully, I'm hoping some kind of skullduggery from Hijo de Fantasma. Okay. Um, and then he's quote unquote released, and then in a week or two, you know, he they go, oh wait, we we feel bad for him. We'll give him another shot. And then he has a redemption angle against Iho But Kind of like we're, when Johnny Gargano lost the Leave NXT match, right? Yeah. We knew he wasn't really gone. Same kind of idea. At this point, Drake Maverick, I, I feel, has proven his value. So they could still go forward and play with our emotions in that way. And I think that, that would be a, another engaging storyline where we've built up so much, we'd be so mad at phantasma if he screws drake out of his contract wouldn't we totally and then have that be an angle so no i don't necessarily think drake should win the whole thing i do think he might, it might be a, the best storyline for him to quote lose his job not really i don't really wasn't want him to lose his job you understand what i'm saying here
0: kind of i just i i, I don't like the feeling it gives me
1: <laughs> You're not supposed to like every feeling that you get from entertainment, Nick. That's the point is you have to have something to redeem yourself from. You have to have something to, you have to have a, like a a low dark place to come from to get to the light.
0: It's kind of like that final season of Game of Thrones. I just I'm going
1: No, no, it's not good no, cuz no. that's just bad writing, bad something, lazy storytelling. <laughs> that's lazy storytelling <laughs> and bad writing and betraying characters. That's not good writing. That's different. Yeah. It's like Game of Thrones in general. You have five seasons set up where everyone's just all your favorites are getting killed and screwed over, and then by the sixth and seventh season, you're like, It's finally time for the comeback. You're gonna get yours. That's that's what we're talking about here. You have to have you have to have Drake Maverick's Red Wedding in order to have the Battle of the Bastards. Okay, if you want to do Game of Thrones.
0: You know what? That's fair. And it's a Triple H and William Regal and Shawn Michaels are out in the back alley with shooting dice. Uh, this is a crapshoot. You you better be ready when it rolls seven. So I'm... I'm, I Good luck! <laughs> 7-Eleven? It, it, it could come back on you in a bad, bad way uh, well, depending I'm on not, how this turns out.
1: Not too worried about it. Uh, something that came back in a bad way on Rhea Ripley was teaming up with Io Shirai against Charlotte Flair and a a t- teammate of her choosing Charlotte got to choose her teammate and she chose of all people Chelsea Green who came out with Robert Stone and it seemed like a pretty good call because Chelsea was also doing some great heel work here and caused enough of a distraction throughout the match that Charlotte was able to get a roll up pin with her feet on the ropes on Io Shirai
0: flare gonna flare Flare, <laughs> Flair's gonna flare yep
1: Chelsea Green gets a win with Charlotte Flair and and holds her own in Charlotte's presence I might add too. Yeah. For someone who also has a very like cocky heel gimmick going on, she I thought she separated herself enough from from Charlotte here. Charlotte still felt like a bigger deal because it's freaking Charlotte, but Chelsea I felt I feel like held her own.
0: Char- so uh, uh, Chelsea stood right next to her, same size and stature, arms raised on the ramp after the match. Fantastic. Uh, this this is great, and and I'm I'm happy for Chelsea. I'm happy we're finally getting some motion out of the Robert Stone brand stuff, um, taking advantage of opportunities when they're presented to you, all of that kind of stuff. So yes, here's the problem us. though, Nick.
1: I got a problem for you. Then I got, I'm going to throw a stone into your, your gears here because Robert Stone got fired after this match. Backstage, Chelsea Green fires Robert Stone, and I don't. Know why they would even have the Robert Stone brand in the first place if they don't let it get off the ground. So that it, it, was a bizarre move. That was a bizarre it, it wasn't really, but they also never really gave it a chance. Sure. I don't
0: feel. No, they were so buried that was under a bizarre the move. weight of Charlotte in the women's championship. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe they've got plans for Chelsea that don't involve Robert and they want to put Robert with somebody else who needs that. Yeah. Like an Aaliyah or I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. Vanessa Bourne. Who knows? Um, the other thing I was worried about, though, is that I feel like Rhea has cooled off a bit. I don't feel like she has the kind of, I don't know if it's presence, but she doesn't strike that same special chord that she did when she first came back from NXT UK and was, was rampaging all over the place. And part of that is, I think, because her losing to Charlotte at WrestleMania and then being gone for a month or so, and then being a, not directionless, but definitely seeming like she didn't have a laser-focused path back to Charlotte. It's muddying her up a little bit.
0: It's what I was worried about when they took the title off of her when we first got that match, that Charlotte Flair was going to come in and challenge for it.
1: Yeah. And I it's, was like, it's oh boy. It's, Rhea felt like a very big deal. She still feels like a very strong wrestler and a big presence. She doesn't feel like a big deal. And maybe that's the lack of crowd, but it also, although they did have, you know, some PC kids lining up around there who were cheering at rote times. But it does feel like she's not as exciting, as big of a deal, as vibrant as she was before all this started.
0: Kyle nailed it. Asuka, all over again when Asuka came up to the sort of main roster run. It's you, you, Charlotte beats her, and then she basically becomes irrelevant for a year.
1: Maybe they were able to rebound with Asuka. With Asuka, it was the thing, with the thing is, though, is that here's the weird thing I still argue that Charlotte should have won that WrestleMania match, and I still argue that that was one of the best matches of WrestleMania weekend, of course. And that didn't have it didn't have the downside of having the finish of the Charlotte Oscar match, which was just a she tapped out too quickly and it un- completely undercut how unbeatable Oscar was. Right uh, by the by having a really kind of questionable finish. The Rhea Charlotte match they had Rhea tap out. Now everyone taps out in that figure eight. Okay, fine, but I don't feel like how they've handled her since having her go straight into a. Th- uh, uh, a three-way feud with Io Shirai, I think, is great for Io Shirai. It protects her, and it means they can draw the feud out longer. But it doesn't do anything good for Rhea. It's not helping her any. And even though it's been established that you know Io is just kind of there, and her real focus is Charlotte, like they have really underlined that Io being there is drawing away from that. It's distracting, and it's also not—it's not really that good for Io because it makes her look like a third wheel. So
0: I, I don't have yeah, much more to say about it. It's Charlotte Charlotte runs runs everything now, and it's gonna be that way for a long time. So it is what She it does. Is. I
1: just it's something I wanted to bring up because I want to keep my eye on, eye on if they can put some fire back under Rhea. Yeah. And I we'll hope see. they can. I'm 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 curious to see the triple threat between them, but you know, they kind of gave away a little bit of that with this match, but yeah. I think that was
0: also Charlotte Penning, of the point! EO. Yeah.
1: But you know who's going to be a big up-and-comer is Shotzi Blackheart. She had a match with Raquel Gonzalez. A lot of ringside kerfufflery from Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai and Candice LeRae. Um, And ultimately, that kerfufflery cost Shotzi the match after an absolutely brutal-looking spot to the outside where she landed all up on her back and head. But if you've watched Shotzi and Evolve and, and, and around in the indies, you know that girl is tough as nails. Yep. So, man, scary spot, though. Uh, but this is the woman's mid-card. We're talking about the top the top of the card being set with EO and, and Rhea and, and Charlotte. But here we are in the mid-card. You have uh, Candice LeRae being mad at Tegan Knox because Tegan was involved in uh, a skit with Mia Yim and uh, Keith Lee, which we'll talk about in a second. And they are having beef with Candice and Gar- and Johnny Gargano. Tegan hates Dakota because, well, we all know what happened between the two of them with Dakota betraying Teagan. Um, and, of course, everyone hates Raquel Gonzalez because she's involved with Dakota, and now Shotzi has beef with them all as well. Oh, God! Is this too convoluted, Nick, or is this the right way to do it so that all these women have something to do?
0: I, normally, I would say, yes, too convoluted, but I understood all of this. I got all of the references. It all made sense to me. I understood why someone had beef with the other one and the always sunny red strings going back and forth to all of the different, you know, things. I, I, I understand the webbing of, of all of this. So I, it's, it's sit back and just watch. Shotzi's on fire right now. The, uh, hmm. That's one. Two, Raina Gonzalez finally looks like a damn monster. Like, she, yeah, she does. finally she like a showed up. Like, Raina Gonzalez yes. finally showed up. Sorry, mm-hmm. Raquel Gonzalez. Um, so happy to see that. Tegan had a spot that helped make more sense of this that we'll talk about next that then she got into um, mm-hmm. some of this stuff, it got intermixed in it. Dakota's out there. Candice is out. Like, I understand it all. So, yeah, at the, at certain point, this could totally be convoluted, but I'm into it. I lo- yep. I'm more into this than, frankly, what's going on between Rhea and Charlotte Neo right now.
1: I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of getting there, too, especially because you also have Mia Yim wrapped up in this. She and Keith Lee were sitting at a dinner table mocking the Garganos and their little dinner table things, including her getting a flashlight and talking in a scary way in well, just black and white. Yeah. They just mocked the whole thing. And on, it's the most character Mia Yim has shown since she's shown up on the roster. Keith Lee was his normal, absolutely smooth, charismatic self and just nailing... <laughs> na- nailing... He, uh, the way that he handled all this was like, I can't believe that we're doing this. This is so damn silly, but whatever, I'll play along. And it was great. And at a certain point, uh, Tegan comes in and gives him a pizza, which there's only two pieces left because it was from the Gargano Pizzeria, and she one. took one of them. Well, two. she took one. Oh. And then they left one behind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so, yeah, Mia was like, you want to you know, keep our names out your mouths. And then for some reason, Candace went after Tegan because she probably because she's scared to death of Mia Yim. So that's even another woman who's involved in this, and we have it confirmed now. It will be Johnny Gargano versus Keith Lee at In Your House, which I can't help but wonder because I know that there's other uh, call-ups happening from NXT right now. If uh, if Keith drops that belt, if we don't see our boy going up, because our boy Dijak is reportedly going up.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You get those two guys in the main roster, and you have instant built-in feud. I'm not saying. I'm just saying something to look out for in case Keith drops that belt. So do we have another women's match at in your house? And if so, what? Because you've got, like, by my count, me, me six or seven. makes
0: a lot of sense.
1: It makes a lot of sense, but there's a lot of other matches you could see as well.
0: I just I want to applaud all the little zingers. Like You've been here 25 years, and you've never had a title. And just little stuff like that. Just <laughs> makes me laugh. And I you don't normally get comedy um, and stuff like that on NXT. It's the serious show, right? So to see a little bit of it every now and then is kind of refreshing. So I, I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Uh, when they went to it, Johnny and Candice are in the ring, and they come up on the Tron, and they're yeah, at the John, dinner table. Johnny just like, beat
1: skinny Roman Reigns.
0: Oh, no. Oh, no don't guy. do this to Keith and, and Mia. But it worked mm. out. It was worked much out. better than the Johnny and Candice segment.
1: Well, I think it was better because it was mocking those segments. Yes. And those segments deserve to be mocked. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. it Those segments got kind of cringy by the end. So, the fact that Keith and Mia just poked big old holes in them was... Yeah. Adam Cole and William Regal negotiated for Cole's title match. Adam was in his house in his gaming chair. William Regal was in William Regal land. wherever William Wherever William Regal resides... And they were talking about Adam Cole's upcoming match at In Your House uh, and how that was going to go down because, of course, Adam didn't want to defend his title against Velveteen Dream. No. He's a shit-heeled champ. He wants to dodge every chance he gets. But as this negotiation went on, William Regal had to instruct Adam Cole on how negotiations work. You've got to give a little bit to get some. Adam Cole said, fine if Dream loses, he never gets another shot at this belt while I have it. And Regal says, fine, but I get to pick the place. And so they came to an agreement. And now, we have to sit here and wonder where William Regal is going to have this match. Is this going to be a cage match? Is this going to be a a final beat match in an empty arena? How are we going to... What do you think? Speculation time, Nick. Put on your tinfoil hat and your bunny ears. Where do you think we are going to have... This Velveteen Dream-Adam Cole match.
0: I have no idea. They, they, we got no hints. Um, is it going to be at the old American Legion in Reseda? No, it got torn down. Yeah. Um, doubt it. Is it they could, they I, could
1: still go up there and like put a whole bunch of like old classic cars in a circle, and they could just have like a fight in the parking lot.
0: Oh, speaking of which, shout out to Tegan Knox for the Latino Heat t-shirt. I saw you.
1: <laughs>
0: I saw you. I love that. Um, no, I, I, uh, I, I have no idea. I, I, we can sit here and just make up funny guesses. That's that's mine. You know, re, 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 resuscitate the American Legion in Reseda, old PWG stomping grounds, Adam Cole territory, and and just you know, put bring it back. I don't, I don't know. I'm making up stupid shit now. I, I, I honestly don't know. In a parking lot, you know? Why
1: not? Why not? Uh, also, there was a little kind of nudged that uh, Undisputed Era wanted another title shot. Well, the titles are now on Imperium, so might we see a rematch between Undisputed Era and Imperium somewhere down the road? Obviously not mad at that. Please. Either. Um, it seems like Birch and Lorkin are heading for them first. They had a little video building up how, you know, they're kind of they're back on track. I feel like they'll be the first ones to get fed to Imperium, but down the road at some point, I can't imagine the Undisputed Era wouldn't be back in the title picture for some reason. Uh, Finally, on NXT, Tommaso Ciampa beat up poor Leon Ruff, who's been the jobber du jour of the last few weeks. Uh, Good for him. Well, he's getting some screen time. Yeah. Uh, Tommaso absolutely murderized him, though, and then turned around to realize that Scarlett was standing ringside watching him. In fact, she was watching the whole match. And as she walked away, a big up-close shot of Killer Cross appeared on the screen. Basically telling Tommaso his time was up. TikTok. tock you're Killer, so special. Killer Cross it, looked
0: into my soul. <laughs> that was that, that was really good. I loved that.
1: Sorry, Carrion Cross. Oh, I keep yeah. wanting to call him Killer Cross. Carrion Cross. Of course, they have a match at In Your House, but Carrion K- said that at In Your House, he's going to find out something else that he is besides your special. Probably, probably dead. Gonna find out you you did. So that match is going to be. It's interesting to see how they're going to. Have that go down, because I don't think Tommaso's winning this one. They've got to kind of put Karrion Cross over huge here. Yeah. Would you not agree? I agree, Come, 100%. Mm. Well, someone else uh, got run over the way I think Tommaso Chum is going to get run over by Karrion Cross. But to talk about that, Nick, we need to head over and talk about Friday Night SmackDown.
0: Are you no. ready? No! No! Oh, you they didn't even play it this week. They haven't played it for like a month. Good.
1: They've played it. They've played a little bit. It's not the whole thing. They played it last week, as I recall. Now they've been but
0: opening this- up on the Tron, like old JR style. Like, bah, 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 bah. we're at the Performance Center. With 17 still gets played people on every commercial break.
1: <laughs> still gets played too damn much. And this week they didn't play it because we started off with an absolutely bizarre angle, Nick. Renee Young out in the parking lot, the most dangerous place to be if you work for WWE, between the Lucha Ninjas and cars and all kinds of horrible stuff. People get beaten up. It ended Hideo Itami's career in WWE pretty much being in the parking lot. Like, don't go in WWE parking lots. They're dangerous. Yes. Well, Elias didn't get the memo, and this week we started off with a car run up on the curb with its hood open, and it had kind of, I guess, run into a pole It wasn't any damage but whatever it was it was a car wreck they'd hit Elias Elias had gotten beamed out the front of the car the paramedics were attending to him and uh as the police searched the car a uh, a very conspicuous piece of paper fell out of the the sun visor and it opened up to reveal that the car was rented to one Jeff Hardy oh no And apparently a man dressed in uh, black pants and a black shirt had fled the scene. As the police searched the area, they ended up finding Jeff Hardy incoherent and apparently uh, messed up somehow in the bushes covered in mud. They dragged him to the car and took him away. He He was not able to say anything coherent. And apparently, according to the one cop, he smelled like the bottle of alcohol that they found in the car, which I'll tell you as a bartender is not something that you can do yeah (laughs) unless it's a very unless jeff hardy was drinking rumplemints and you're like you smell like rumplemints
0: i've been hit head on by a drunk driver he had there were three empty smirnoff bottles in the driver's side floorboard he got out and he smelled like vodka you you can smell vodka he that like cop vodka.
1: has to have had years of <laughs> drinking to be like if you can distinguish <laughs> between vodka and whiskey, which I can, I'll, I'll admit I can. Yeah. If you put a whiskey in front of me, boom, I know which one's which. Same. But if you can tell what kind of alcohol is seeping out of someone's pores based on a quick glance into a car and seeing a bottle, you're a drunk. Yeah. You've drunk a lot of things in your life or you're a bartender like me. Yeah. So that was that was a particularly funny line, but for the first bit Of SmackDown, it appeared as though, Nick, we were heading into a Jeff Hardy falls off the wagon uh, storyline, which I'm not going to lie, had me on edge for the entire show. Because I don't know about you, but those angles, usually when they're done punitively as a way to kind of mock the person's addictions as a way to, I don't know, whatever WWE twisted logic of, trying to shake them straight or as punishment or whatever. Anytime they used it before, whether it's on Hawk or on Jake, the snake Roberts, um, it felt (laughs) gross. Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy's done it before with CM Punk. Like it, yeah, it's a, it's always comes across as like, a little skeevy, like messing with someone's addictions like that always comes across as a bit skeevy and inappropriate to me. So right off the bat, I was like, Oh God, no. like, obviously yes jeff hardy would have had to sign off on it that doesn't make it right
0: (laughs) as soon as they pulled the piece of paper this car was rented to jeff hardy i kind of just went oh no 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 and then the whole rest of the show it was just tainted with that
1: but well immediately so I i was writing my notes and i actually had to go back and rewrite them all at the end of the show because obviously what happened happened which we'll talk about in a second. But. The first thing I wrote was either, this is one of two things, either this is an addiction angle, which is, we're going to crap all over it, or this is a swerve, and this is a big conspiracy angle based on the fact that Jeff Hardy, you know, someone is framing Jeff Hardy because of
0: Sheamus. Sorry,
1: the stuff Excuse that we me. had est- right, established, and that's, of course, the initial person that you would think of, and that is, of course, who it turned out to be. We find out at the end of the show, it looks like Jeff Hardy is gunning for Seamus, but the reason that we found that out was through a long convoluted storyline that went throughout the entire show, and I honestly wasn't really mad at it. It was very entertaining, because we then go to backstage. You've got Adam Pierce up on a soapbox. This part I loved, uh, by the way. Me too. And honestly, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the, the Jeff Hardy addiction stuff, made me a little skeeved. But I, but in the context of the whole show, I'm now, I'm, I'm now like, okay, I understand what you're doing. We good,
0: yeah. Um, but can Adam Pierce book some more stuff too, please? Like just right <laughs> out of the gate, top of the show. All right, Adam, here's Pierce, what we're going to do. All of you are going to do this, and you're going to do this, and it, all right, go and just and we're, felt we're authoritative.
1: All. He, he actually felt <laughs> yeah. like a, a backstage authority figure would sound like. You have a bunch of the locker room back there, uh, and they're all standing around, milling around, wondering what's going to happen. And Adam Pierce saying, "Hey, because of what just happened outside." Neither Elias nor Jeff Hardy will be able to compete in the Intercontinental Tournament, which means that we've got now two open slots, one for Daniel Bryan, one for AJ Styles. AJ says, hey, man, no one's here to face me. He's getting counted out. It's not a match. I automatically get a bye.
0: I'll take the bye.
1: (laughs) I'll take the bye. Daniel Bryan, meanwhile, is saying, that's not fair. I believe in what's right. I should still have to face somebody.
0: I'm a man of honor.
1: Who wants to face me? And everyone goes, um... Me and you have a whole bunch of guys like you have Jay Uso sitting there going like I want a shot. You have Sheamus going I should have a shot. You have Corbin going I should have a shot. Everyone else goes you guys already had your shot and they go f you I want another one. Right. Chad Gable was there, yay. Uh, so all kinds of guys milling around saying they want a shot and so Adam pierce being the absolutely effective and smart backstage authority figure that he is, he says fine we'll have a battle royale. Winner faces Daniel Bryan. Winner of that faces AJ Styles for the Intercontinental Championship. Boom, boom, boom. 10 minutes. One of the most effective backstage segments we've had in recent memory in WWE. Boom, boom, boom.
0: I literally stood and up out of the chair and went, sense. Hell yes! Right. <laughs> yeah. The not, to the, pretty- not to the car crash stuff, but just to that backstage segment. I, I remember having. We were chatting very. Chat was very lively last night for SmackDown, and that was. We were all just like, who is this guy? Yes, we need more of this. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> make I him mean, you, GM. You, you, the only authority figure we have now who's effective like that is William Regal. And for a time there, Drake Maverick was effective like that on on 205 live. Um, so it's just nice, it's nice to see it on the main roster.
0: I was reminded of Shane McMahon running Smackdown in the early part of that, you know, when he would just make sort of a, that, sort of decisions until it until all went finally, to shit. <laughs> with the Miz. <laughs> right. Oh man. So no, this was a great some great
1: kayfabe backstage looking, Love politics it. and everything and it was good stuff. Um uh, and then we had the Battle Royale itself in the Battle Royale, Shinsuke Nakamura, Chad Gable because we do not call him the name they call him on this show. We refuse because that's offensive. His name is Chad Gable. Say his name. Yes. Say his name. He's a
0: goddamn Olympian. Forgo- Just say use his name. Un- that is still,
1: that's one of my biggest beefs with WWE right now. Like, not, like, non's, like, like, just.
0: What did they call Ronda Rousey? Her. Rowdy, Rowdy R, Rowdy Row.
1: Rowdy Row. Row Row. Yeah, nothing else. We just call it Rowdy Row. Row Row. Let's call would Daniel you Bryan that? Shorty. Can you call, would you call Daniel Bryan Shorty D? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, what with come on. Baron Corbin, Jey Uso, Cesaro, Sheamus. Cesaro and Sheamus had a nice little bar callback in this too, which I loved. Uh, Lindsay Dorado, Grand Metalik, Drew Gulak, who is back, and Dolph Ziggler. Bunch of great little interactions through uh, in this, like I said, calling back to history, like between she- Sheamus and Cesaro, Ziggler and Corbin calling back to their history together, uh, and then ultimately betraying each other, which was mwah. Uh, but ultimately, it came down to, of all people, Jey Uso and Sheamus, Look at Jay Uso getting a bit of a singles push here. Do you think that will continue?
0: Maybe. Little Jay little Jay Uso? Not sure how uh how Jimmy is hurt or how long he's out, but I wouldn't be he's, mad uh, at it.
1: Messed up his knee around WrestleMania. And from what I understand, he's out for a few months. Yeah. So Let him have
0: it. Go for give it. Give Jay
1: something to do. Give yeah. Jay something to do. Uh we also saw the beginning of something in this match where uh Sheamus and or sorry, excuse me, Cesaro and Nakamura teamed up to eliminate Chad Gable. Cesaro had been eliminated, and as Gable was eliminating Nakamura, Cesaro snuck up behind the refs and tossed out Gable, which ended up in a match later, which we'll talk about in one second. But we right now got to talk about the fact that Sheamus went on to the end. He beat Jimmy Uso after a nice sequence on the apron and went on to face Daniel Bryan in the main event. And Nick, right off the bat, I was thinking, oh, man, what was that that 18-second WrestleMania match they had? Was less than that, eight second WrestleMania match. Eight second WrestleMania match. First thing I thought of, and Sheamus was screaming at Daniel Bryan about it in the middle. He says I made the yes movement with that match. Mwah, great! I love I love history. Yep. I love it when they acknowledge history. Good stuff. Hard hitting match with a kerfuffle finish because who should come running out at the end? But Jeff Hardy somehow released from police custody after an hour and a half. Right. Uh-huh, because that's how that works. Whatever. He probably not, not, Even
0: if he was sober, he still did a hit and run. So he did a, he did a runner. So <laughs> allegedly. I, like, you're not <laughs> going to get out of jail in an hour.
1: <laughs> he swantoned out of that cop car and ran back to the <laughs> arena, is what he did. Because he was gunning for Seamus, and he and Seamus got into a big pull-apart brawl to end right. of the show. And then Jeff Hardy standing tall at the end of the show. So it does look like. We are adding some more grist to the mill that is the Seamus and Jeff feud. So looking at that in terms of the whole show, we were worried. I, I was I wasn't thinking about the plot. I was thinking about the horror of if WWE was trying to do an addiction angle on Jeff Hardy the entire show. And only at the end was I able to go, oh, thank God it was just Seamus framing.
0: Yeah. <sighs>
1: yeah. So now that we can look back and say it's a shame of frame. Shame of frame. That's, I'm, I'm coining that. Shame of frame. um Do you think their feud needed this much extra stuff in no. it? No, because that's heavy. That's a heavy thing to lay on this feud.
0: I'm actually kind of pissed that Sheamus did win the whole thing, the battle royal, to go face Daniel Bryan. I, I really come on. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 going to be honest. I love Sheamus. I'm a little over Sheamus right now. I, I kind of just want I, I like him and him and Jeff Hardy were having a feud. That was fine. It was off to the side. That's fine. And now you've just kind of lumped him in with everybody else that's also gunning for the Intercontinental Title, and it feels it made it a little watered down. You know, I don't know. I I
1: feel like establishing that Sheamus is just an absolute bastard could do a lot for him, and that way, men make him feel a little bit less like uh, cookie cutter. Bad guy, you know, basically a redheaded Baron Corbin. Sure. Like he's got, he's got to differentiate
0: himself somehow. Agreed, and it, it just, um, that hasn't happened yet. And I'm not, I'm not into Sheamus since he's returned. Honestly, well,
1: I'm, I'm into Sheamus working in the ring. He and Daniel Bryan were beating the absolute crap out of each other. Sure, uh, Daniel hit him with some elbows in the head. That I swear to God, I, I got tears in my eyes from, <laughs> oh, those are two dudes that like to strike and hit each other. Good stuff. So I'm I'm curious if Sheamus is going to go break off and just be stuck with Jeff Hardy now, or if he's pissed off enough with other people, how that's going to lay down. But it, it does seem like they went to a lot of lengths to establish a feud that was already going. Like they basically took <laughs> they took a car that was crashing and threw a big old thing of gasoline into it. And we'll see if that was a good idea or not. We do know that uh, Chad Gable has some beef with Cesaro because that Battle Royale, they had a match later on and Gable confronted Cesaro backstage. And Cesaro, of course, because the writers can't think of anything else to do, he started making short jokes about Chad Gable. Did you notice actually that like on his Tron, the side of the back side of the G is actually a ruler, like a measuring stick? No. I've never yep.
0: noticed that before, really.
1: Watch it again. When you see his tron where it says shorty G, the back of the G is actually like it's like a ruler. It's I,
0: I, unbelievable. I got, I got nothing else. The the man's it's, an Olympian, you know. <laughs> respect him, and he's
1: insanely good worker.
0: Oh, poor guy. Um.
1: So yeah, that's that's still I just one of the things that makes me nuts. And I you know he has, hasn't been on for a while, so it hasn't hasn't triggered me. But I yeah, I'm triggered now, Nick. Yeah. Um. And he would have had a Gable versus Cesaro. You knew it was going to be good. It was. It's fantastic. Yeah. Two of just the most underrated workers in WWE going out there, putting on a clinic. Ultimately, Gable goes over the top, rolls up Cesaro for a beautiful little pin, gets the win.
0: How many losses is that for Cesaro in a row?
1: Oh, a million. I've lost count. (laughs) Why why can't
0: Cesaro win? Good
1: good hand syndrome. Right. But I will say this, you know, that looks – I mean, are we back on the push for Gable? I guess is what I'm saying. Gable's back on TV, getting a push. Is this a good sign for him? Does a feud with Cesaro continue, or does he go feud with somebody else? Like, what? Because he was kind of start-stop there. They renamed him. He had a feud with Corbin. Then he had a feud with Sheamus. He didn't exactly come out on top in either of those feuds. Are we going to start another sort of pseudo-push for him? I
0: hope. I hope. I don't I don't really have much color on this one. Sorry. I yeah, if, do you have a whole
1: lot of do you have a little confidence? I mean <laughs>
0: not, I'm really, worried. not really. Not really. Yeah. Not not really. That they're gonna do it right. Not really. The, he's gone for months and he comes back and he's still shorty G and yeah. okay. It's, it just kinda it's gets just, tossed into this thing.
1: All right. It's heartening to see people online still shitting all over that name. Yep. So that's pretty much the universe. like anytime that they post anything about Chad Gable, it's like, hey,
0: Stop it! Had an opportunity to bury it on his return, and you just yeah. you kept it up. Fantastic, awesome, yep. great,
1: good, knock Nakamura Noc, is just Nakamura is just hanging out, right? So, that being said, Nick, we also had a match. Don't, don't you mean Lacey, Shinny Knock? you hurt me deep, man. You hurt me deep. Why? Yeah. Moving on, gotta talk about something happy. Lacey Evans, Sonya Deville. I did not see this one coming. Sonya DeVille backstage talking about how blondes have it easier and don't have any talent. And of course, behind I'm like, like that Sonia Deville. She, or like that uh, Lacey Evans. She's horrible. Well, right over Sonya Deville's shoulder. There's Lacey Evans hanging out behind her. She blindsides Sonia Deville and says, see you in the ring. So we have a match between Lacey and Sonya and Nick. This rocked.
0: H- hang hang on. There's something we need to discuss. Uh don't face don't. Uh, heels normally ambush and blindside you? Uh why did we see Lacey Evans do that as a face?
1: Talk shit, get hit.
0: Uh we saw it with Chad Gable as well. He he sucker punched Cesaro. And I'm sitting here going, what's happening? Why why are your faces doing healy shit? Hey,
1: in this particular instance, Sonya was running her mouth and Lacey just gave her a nice little shove from behind and was like looked down at her like We'll see you in the ring. Let's face this face-to-face.
0: So I agree with you. 100% this match freaking ruled. When What I noticed was when Facey Evans came out, they did call out her amateur wrestling background. I was like, oh, eh, meh. I, I was not aware of that. Yeah. Uh, so And okay. also,
1: this wasn't just on the show. like they, This has been all week on Twitter between the two of them. So this, this has been ongoing. They set this
0: up. But the first... Three minutes of this match was like, oh my god! Oh yeah! Oh, they're, then the match Matt happened. They're mat wrestling. Like this is then legit. Then the match happened, and it
1: was like, let's show off our legit skills. You know, Lacey's a legit, got a legit wrestling background. Sony's got a legit striking background. This was awesome. They showed off like legit how they can work, and it was done in storyline where they're taught. You could hear them talk and tell each other, "All right, come on." Lacey gets down on all fours, like, "Go on, give me your best shot." Dude, that was one of the most cool things I've seen Lacey do was Sonya gets down in the mount position and goes and wraps, wraps her arms around her, and Lacey turns into a goddamn alligator, flipping and spinning and rolling all over the place, proper amateur wrestling. It lo- and Sonya just looked like, oh, God, holding on for dear life.
0: It was awesome. It was awesome. My, my, my eyes that entire time were just like, Where's, where's this been for the last three years? <laughs> and it kept getting hotter and hotter
1: until at the end, they were beating each other up outside the ring, throwing each other into the announce table. And, man, Sonya took a nasty hit on the corner. And they ended up beating each other up so much, the ref counted them out. They continued to fight afterwards. Uh, Sonya ends up walking away and be like, we fight when I'm ready to fight. So this is going to continue. Yeah. This is not done. And... You, you do these kinds of matches to wet people's appetite? Consider my appetite wet-headed. Yes. It is wet-headed.
0: Uh, we yes, mi- I missed a, more sorry, of this. Sorry about this. I missed a super chat from Esme uh, on Chad Gables. His name is Chad of the Gables. Thank you, Esme.
1: Chad of the Nine Gables <laughs> and the Ring <laughs> of Doom.
0: Um, yeah, more, so, more of this, Lacey and Sonya. We've been waiting for Sonya to get an opportunity like this for a long time. Mm. Uh, I'm, if this is I'm how they pivot ex- her,
1: um, like if they're getting away from Mandy, maybe, dude, sold. Yep, sold. If this is the kind of way that they're going to present her and the way they're going to present Lacey, this was the best. This is, I'm so happy with how they presented both these women right now.
0: Lacey had her until she looked down at Sonia reeling on the on the mat and said, "Mandy's always been better than you," and that Sonia just flipped a switch and just murdered. And her. you
1: can do that. You can still have that plot in Sonya's character in the background and yeah. have her go do other things. And it makes her look good. It made Lacey look good. This is this is the best thing for both women. Yeah. Go out there and have these athletic matches show off two very strong characters. I mean, these are women who their their gimmicks are really honed and you can you're gonna get some good stuff out of it. Yeah. So very excited about this. This is this is good booking and I'm looking forward to what they are doing next with this. So could elevate both women. Uh, Speaking of women, we also had women in the Moment of Bliss segment. Out came Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross with The New Day, your tag team champions over on SmackDown. Just to kind of shoot the shit, give each other some pancakes, Nikki brought us some Scottish pancakes to The New Day. The New Day had some coffee beans that Biggie pulled out of his singlet and put into a cup and then poured water on it and tried to make Alexa drink it. Um, what was interesting, Nick, is I thought this was a segment to set up the tag team title match, but it was not. We got swerved mm-hmm. because in the middle of this, out came Bailey and Sasha to talk smack on Alexa and Nikki, and the New Day were just kind of sitting there going, "They're they're talking smack." Um, ended with Bailey volunteering Sasha for a match against Alexa. Again. Sasha saying, "I don't have my damn ring shoes. Oh my god, Bailey, Bailey, Bailey! Come on,
0: the split's coming. And we, it,
1: of course, it is, Nick. But that's that. I'm I'm getting to that question for you. Oh, like, okay. I gotta set the fact that we had this match between Sasha and Alexa. Meanwhile, Bailey was on commentary, and I can't say Nikki was on commentary because she was more like on the commentary desk, screaming the entire match, trying to out Oscar, Oscar." As- which was hilarious.
0: I, I thought the, I thought the exorcist had started playing because of, she would turn her voice into that. way Her head was going to spin around and she's going to start vomiting pea soup everywhere. And well, yeah, 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 she yeah, wasn't, yeah.
1: she wasn't saying what your mother does in hell, but I I will say that she was, she was quite <laughs> expressive. Um, I'll <laughs> oh, come over there and kick your ass Bailey. Um, but so Nick, we have Sasha versus Alexa. Nice little match. Fine ends up with, as you would expect, a distraction from Bailey when it looked like Alexa was going to win. Nikki gets involved. Ultimately, Sasha gets the surprise win here, and Bailey and Sasha celebrate up the ramp. The split is coming. Yes. You can see the cracks forming, but again, this looked like Bailey threw Sasha under the bus, but Sasha ended up winning, and they ended up rejoicing. Is this just spinning wheels, though, at the end of the day?
0: It's it's been spinning wheels since he came back in SummerSlam last year.
1: That's kind of what I'm saying. Like, is this going anywhere new or different? Or are we just seeing more of this again and again and again and just having it kind of constantly put in our minds without any advancement to the storyline?
0: Here's the other thing I'll throw into your your noggin. Bailey, we were just unanimously like... (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Until... until sasha came back and joined up with her and since then it's been a little bit better bailey's found her stride a little bit because she has someone to dance with and someone to bounce off of so i'm wondering do they split them if they split them do we go back to you know boring monotonous bailey that is just or you know does it does it her pace maintain because i, I bailey's come around the last couple weeks
1: and also, I think they're giving Nikki more time to shine too. She had Michael Cole corpsing like a madman over there. She was petting his head, like, you tell him, Michael. You tell him. That's I, don't, don't listen to him, Corey. And it was Michael Cole was losing it. He couldn't hold on. Like it was, they were giving Nikki an opportunity to shine, and she took it. Yeah. She was a, one of the most captivating parts of the segment. Almost too much. I and mean, they, they probably told her to tone it down from the back because she was just over, she was overshadowing everything. So, yeah, there's a lot this to like here. You know, Sasha's getting to show more character in, in the sense that she's now being torn between, like, is Bailey a good friend or not? Bailey is slowly ramping up her being more and more of an asshole to, to Sasha. Maybe not as quickly as I would like, Um. Because they're just kind of showing the same kind of things that she's doing. I don't know. I I want it to move faster, but at the same time, I also like slow surrounds. I'm
0: torn, Nick. I'm torn. And, and Alexa looked on top form in the match, and I'm sitting. And part of me was going, get "Yeah, get her out of this couple, tag team shit and get her back up to the top of the card for God's sakes."
1: Just a couple little timing issues, but nothing that like nothing egregious. You know? I, yeah. It was. I, I it loved was her fun.
0: match with Sasha uh, last it night. Was it was fine. fantastic. Yeah. Um how that I, I sit here and ask the question how much longer do they have the tag titles? The iconics are back. You know, are we gonna do something with Bailey and Sasha? Do we end up in an Alexa Sasha feud that ultimately is the demise of Bailey and Sasha?
1: Yeah. This uh, was I, weird that they, they used him for this because it seems like they're still having a feud with the iconics and Bailey and Sasha are doing other things. But there was the you know the fact that Bailey and Sasha were the first women's tag champions. Sure. So there was some history there that they brought up. Yeah. But overall. Good segment all around.
0: Uh, I want to give a hat tip to Kofi Kingston because when Bailey got in the ring he went to give her a hug and she was like Pfft. And I thought that was that was clever. Nice little
1: nice yeah. little nice little thing there. Nice yeah. little thing there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it was just weird that the New Day ultimately had no purpose in the segment. Yeah, exactly. Like, Other than that and Big E pulling strange.
0: coffee beans out of his singlet. No, that was good. That was good stuff.
1: <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Uh the Forgotten Sons your boys had another promo this time from Wesley Blake. You can see why he doesn't promo more often uh he's the guy in the group who's not a sergeant and not a corporal, but he understands how it is to be in the military he's like one of, he's a sympathizer with the military, and he's uh he also believes that it's time to put our blood on their hands or something like that i don't know i these segments are not working for me, Nick, and especially with the disclaimer in front like they're not saying anything we said it before they're not saying anything controversial they're not coming through the screen at you in terms of presence, no. So
0: I agree. The promos need to stop. This disclaimer shit needs to stop. Um,
1: they were better just
0: beating people up. Listen, I know this started and and I'm I'm all Nick stuff aside. I know this whole thing started with them as a tag team and Jackson as an enforcer, but they need to flip the script. You need to make it where it's more how Seth Rollins had a O P or had something along those lines. You need to change the dynamic a little bit of this so that Jackson is out front because at least he can promo decently well. He, would,
1: he had the best promo of the three of them. Now that we've seen all three, so uh, if you make it two. a
0: triangle, inst- right side up triangle instead of a other way around, right? If you think about it that way, have Jackson out front what? with these two guys <laughs> in the back, right, uh, as his enforcer. Yeah,
1: I know. I know Jackson Reich is your boy. No, all, all of that aside, I'm
0: just, I'm genuinely, I think it would work so much better if you flipped it upside down and you had Jackson on point instead of him just being in the I prefer Jackson
1: as, I prefer Jackson as final boss. That's just me. If okay. you're going to have this set up. Sure. Um, let's talk about one of the most fun segments of the week. Otis and Mandy had a love getaway and that's all this was promoted as was they're going to get away. They, they're finally getting, getting to get away together.
0: This is everything that I needed in my life after the last <sighs> couple of months. Heck. I'm not oh going to lie. God. You have Otis
1: and Mandy Otis and Mandy by the pool Champagne And uh, Mandy says You know this is really great But I'm going to take a little nap And Otis says Okay my peach Mm. And he wanders off And Mandy Dozes off And begins to dream of Otis Getting into the pool And replaying The Phoebe Kate scene From Fast Times at Ridgemont High Which is If you haven't seen it And you didn't grow up in the 80s And you aren't male Or don't like women Then you don't know What I'm talking about But it is one of the most legendary uh, scenes from the 80s of Phoebe Cates getting out of the pool with sprinklers everywhere and taking off her top for Judge Reinhold. Um, Otis basically did the same thing for Mandy, and Mandy's over there in the chair just fanning herself and getting all hot looking at Otis, you know, dancing around, being Otis. This is in the dream sequence. All in the dream sequence. Yeah. She's got... (laughs) they, They pulled so many, like, classic tropes that's usually when it's inverted. And it's the guy sitting on the chair watching the hot chick, yeah. you know, get into the pool all slowly and whip her hair and, you know, get all wet. Uh, at one point Mandy even has the sun block in her hand and squeezes it so <laughs> it squirts everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this was such an awesome inversion of those tropes. Yeah. I was crying. And then ultimately to have the Phoebe Kate scene where she goes and makes out with Otis as he rips off his shirt coming out of the pool. Um, and then she's awoken by Otis cannonballing into the pool and getting her all wet, Right. at which point she says, well, I guess you woke me up. She hops in the pool and they make out a lot, a lot of making out between the two. So, Nick, obviously you enjoyed the hell out of this segment. I enjoyed the hell out of this segment. I was crying laughing. This was so funny. And both of them did both of them played this so well, so well.
0: I feel so, so vindicated in the way there were a lot of doubters and a lot of people that said this is stupid, not going all the way back to Thanksgiving, but with the ham and all of the fruitcake over Christmas and all. Of, and I said this is the best thing on SmackDown, and a, a lot of people came at me and were like, "Nope, no, this is stupid." A
1: lot of people still don't like Otis. A lot of people this don't like that they're calling him the new Bushwhacker. Like, and the and the other thing I heard, Nick, before before you you plant your flag. Was, is this continuing to be a sophomore take on Otis? <laughs> he's fat. Get it? Like, <laughs> get it? He's he's
0: an unattractive mean. man. Yeah.
1: So is this... I guess what I'm saying is, is this actually, like, laughing with Otis? Is this, like, a, a genuinely entertaining an intelligent inversion of male-female tropes in WWE, or is this poking fun at Otis's shape?
0: I don't think it's poking fun at Otis's shape. I think it could have gone that way. I think there were hints of it initially in the very beginning, Um, but I think he got the girl, and now they're just having a good time. And this is good old comedy backstage kind of uh, vignettes, right? It's the
1: length of the time that they were – filmed kissing like it wasn't just like a short it was like they're they're really catching them like sucking some face yeah. the way you had it with Lashley and Lana too where they're really just kind of grinding your face in it um, that being said I think it can be both ways I mean I don't know if they have a universal intention backstage in WWE there's so many fingers in the pot obviously it goes through one filter at the end but the intentions along the way I think you can have more than one. And by that, I mean that you can have some people who are back there going like, oh, they, we, want, we want the audience to go, oh, God, she's making out with that. And then you have the other people that are, that are going like, hey, this is supposed to be a Beauty and the Beast love story. And we want people out there who may feel like an Otis to, to actually see this and take heart from this. Mm-hmm. And then all the different – everything in between those two polls as well. People who just want to watch this and be entertained and who laugh their asses off because it's freaking funny to see a guy who looks like Otis pull a Phoebe Cates.
0: Yeah. That's That's fun. It's hilarious. And, you know, Esther and I joke around, beauty and the beard. You know? Yeah. It's all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So I I, I love this. I want it – I love it for the right reasons. There are people that want to hate it because they want to dismiss it because of some of the things that you just outlined – I don't. I don't. I don't. Hmm. I think it's fantastic. I think it's heartwarming. I think it's organic. It's developed on its own. They've steered into it, thankfully, yeah. and not shunned it. And look at what has blossomed. It is magnificent. I, I, I hope we get one of these every week.
1: And I'll just I'll, I'll finish this off by saying if this was truly about making fun of Otis and demeaning him, they wouldn't have the part of this where he looked like a genuinely good guy to Mandy. Right. At the beginning. Yep. Right. With the way he poured the champagne and, and like, you know, the, the, the way he dotes on her, like, they wouldn't have him look like a guy who can actually make a sentence and is treating this woman well. Yeah. That wouldn't be there. So I do think ultimately that this is, yeah, one of the best segments on SmackDown this week. Easily. But finally, finally, Nick, we have to talk about the fact that right after the segment, Kurt Angle pops up. With his eyes creepily wide. It was a really weird juxtaposition from the end of this segment. Uh, but he wasn't here to talk about Otis and Mandy. He was here to talk about the newest star on SmackDown, Matt Riddle. And they played a promo video about Matt Riddle. And Nick, the promo video essentially said, he he is not what you expect. He's laid back, but when he's in the ring, he can freaking go. It's basically how we described him when we first came into NXT. It's basically how we said the, the main roster has to understand how to sell him, and they have to sell him this way, and it's exactly what this said. Yep. Do you feel more heartened by seeing the way that they are introducing Matt Riddle? Kurt Angle laying out, hey, everybody, there's this guy coming up. Here he comes. And then the way that they did this video package. Loved did you it. take heart from that? Okay. Yes,
0: absolutely. I am so happy that this is the way they did it. Uh, he is not someone who is you know, a killer monster type like a Braun Strowman that you can just send out into squash jobbers for three or four weeks to establish. You, he's a smaller, more agile guy uh, with, with the combat sports background you know, you need it. But what I love about how they introduced him in NXT wasn't the Cassius Ono stuff. In a way, it was. I love that they bring him out and you don't take him seriously because it's just bro. And he's got the hat, the flat snapback and all of the the flops flying off and everything and you just think he's a silly comedy act. And then a switch happens. And I want to see the switch.
1: And it's funny. I actually want to call out uh, Kyle in the chat. One ninety nine. Thank you, sir. He said, please let Kurt Angle be Matt Riddle's manager. And I don't (laughs) know if that would be cool. Uh, at least for the first couple of weeks or months, like, don't have it last for a long time. I don't think that would help Matt in the long term. In the short term, it would help to get people's eyes on him. Um, but one of the reasons I think that's an intriguing idea, and associating Kurt with Matt is a good idea is because one of the one of the things that we used to say, Nick, was that Matt Riddle should be looked at the way they looked at Kurt Angle when he first came to WWE a guy that is goofy
0: in a four and, and an eight he angle
1: cuts his cuts. His, I don't know about, <laughs> I, so Kurt went to being a heel pretty quick. And I don't know if you should do that with riddle, but Kurt was made to look like a bit of a buffoon with his three eyes. And he was always drinking his milk and everything. Sure. But he got, he got in that ring and he'd tear your leg off. Right. And we were saying, if they look at Matt riddle in that way where he can be silly on the mic, but then he gets in the ring and he's terrifying. That's actually going to give him a lot of longevity. Because that's balancing out his character. And I think that's probably the best way to look at him. So if they're already associating him with Kurt Angle, that's the thing that makes me feel really good about them bringing him up.
0: Yeah, I want to so. see him come at the same way, come out and be silly, put him up against a big dude. You know, normally you'd have big dudes come out squashing little tiny guys. I want to see Matt Riddle, the little guy, come out. and He's not really that little. Come out and just absolutely destroy some bigger uh, enhancement well, talent, right?
1: Sheamus was, Sheamus was talking smack on him this week, and I'm wondering yeah. if that's leading into something as well.
0: You just got to let him um, win. That's the thing. So don't put well, him up against Jeff- somebody that can't lose. And
1: you could have Jeff Hardy that could interfere too. So sure. but having him against Sheamus, I think, would be a great debut because two Jack dudes who like to hit each other. I think that'd be good as well. Yeah. Um, one final thing about SmackDown, Nick, and then we got to get out of here. How do we feel about Michael Cole at the top of the show driving home the fact that the crowd has been tested and they were practicing safe social distancing with all caps and quotation marks when we know for a fact that all they did to test was give them a temperature check and ask them if they were feeling okay. And then if you could look at the crowd, you could see they were not six feet apart. And they were all trapped in their breathing on each other. Um, did that seem disingenuous? Did that seem like corporate speak? Did, yes. you, did that bug you the way it bugged it me? It was,
0: look at how we're handling things so much better than that other company... We're cause we're yeah. WWE and we're the Which bigger great. yeah.
1: Jr. Jr. actually did a shot back at them this week where he said, "That's right, we got our people here. No plexiglass needed." So, taking shots at each other, but this yeah, this definitely felt like just yeah. It, it, every time they do, every time WWE does that, it just it rubs me the wrong
0: it's, way. Yeah, oh, as like, soon oh, as I oh. heard Cole say that live, I was just like, "Oh, g- shut up!"
1: You guys, just you guys stop. came in. You held the inside of your wrist to a wrestler's forehead, and you're like, all right, you're tested. Get in there. Come on. Give me a break. They, you can, they do the like,
0: same thing to me at PT. They hold a little gun up to my head, and I make sure that I can come in, and okay, you're yeah. fine. Why? Because I don't have a fever?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. That's not <laughs> that, that means nothing. Oh, all. Anyway. Oh, as you said last week, Nick, it is the theater of security. Yeah,
0: security theater. And
1: WWE is all about theater, and that is it. For
0: WWE. Well, thank you very much, Sir Ian Dangerous. And guys, I hope you enjoyed that. We're going to head over now and do what we like to call our moment of positivity. Boum- Boum-
1: pal- That's right. It's the moment of positivity. That time in the show where we look back over everything over the last few days of wrestling and try to find something Positive to say, positive to feel, something that made us smile and feel all warm and fuzzy inside and that we want to share with you guys in the hopes of creating a little bit bit more positivity in this crazy, wacky world that we're living in right now, which is particularly wacky. It's really freaking wacky right now. We need some positivity. So, Nick, what was something positive that happened in the last few days of wrestling?
0: How could I not say that Otis and Mandy segment? Um, easily. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you can answer. I don't know. Uh, that, 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 that's, this is, <sighs> might be the easiest mop ever uh, for me. <laughs> um, if I had to give an honorable mention, it'd be Britt Baker's conspiracy theory thing to Audrey
1: oh, Edwards. Oh, man. You son of a bitch. Stealing mine.
0: I thought you would go for Fight Pit.
1: Fight Pit was my runner-up. All right. Britt Baker absolutely taking that pitch over the fence was had to have been my top. That was absolutely spectacular.
0: Yeah. There
1: we go. Easy mop today. I'm actually actually mad because I'm looking back over everything, and I realized, Nick, we skipped over the fact that Moxley and Cage had a face-off on AEW. We forgot to talk about Moxley and Cage. Holy smokes. Yeah. Cage killed Lee Johnson, show his skills, and Moxley and they had a a face-off. We forgot to talk about that. (sighs) Oh, well.
0: Uh, the last thing I oh, want to say here time. before we get out of here is, because uh, we got to go do the mailbag next. Stick around, yeah. guys. We'll be right back for that. Um, overall, this week, for the first time in a really long time, show, show, show. Every single one of them sort of knocked it out of the park this week. Yeah. Bunch of great stuff on every single show. And it's been a long time since I can remember going show, 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 just absolutely all three of them without some hard critiques, yeah. you know? So Yeah, that, and that, that really,
1: that should be the moment of positivity, Nick, yeah. is that it was three damn solid. And Raw was solid. Another, it's so we said good
0: to hear crowd noise in WWE again.
1: Oh, man.
0: That's a mop. Even if,
1: it's, even if it's canned, even if it's like... Don't care. It's not great yet. It's, it, yeah, just hearing... That,
0: that deafening silence is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Definitely. thank you very much, guys. There's our show for today. As I said, stick around. We're going over to the Patreon mailbag... Patron mailbag, I should say. Mm. Next! Uh, But that is it for the show. In case you're wondering where the other news lightning round went, we have a new series that we're doing exclusively right here on YouTube, breaking it out of the main shows, much like we did the listener questions with the patron mailbag. Uh, We are doing the BWO Daily now, Monday through Friday, and that's where all of our newsy-type news stuff is going to be going from now on so that we can spend more time talking about wrestling and all of that good kind of stuff. So be back on Monday with more BWO Daily, but make sure you're subscribed right here at youtube.com slash wide open to get all of the shows here across all BWA daily and our main shows on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and Saturday 3 pm. Eastern we'll be live streaming them every single week uh, we we'll are also do our patron mailbags where we uh, allow our patrons at the five dollar tier or higher uh, to uh, ask us questions and we answer those right here live on the channel as well. We'll be doing that show immediately after this. But come over and join us on Facebook. Uh, Just search for Busted Wide Open. Uh, Like our page, send us a join request to get into the group with the rest of our phenomenal ones, our patrons. And if you guys would like to get in on some of those rewards, uh, ability to ask your questions, copies of the show notes, bonus episodes, all kinds of good stuff, Patreon.com slash B-W-O. Oh, and last but certainly not least, we're also on Twitter and Instagram, even though we don't really do that much with it, but you can follow us over there at Um, B-W-O Podcast. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude.
1: And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous.
0: But my God! Somebody stop the damn match!